nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Welcome to San Antonio Soccer Roundtable, uh, San Antonio FC uh, year in review, I guess, uh, edition here uh, for here. My name's Harry. I'll be the host tonight. Um, joining me, Matt, how are you? Uh, decked out in your SAFC gear, looking sharp? No, I'm just cold. Just trying to, trying to take care of a lower body injury. <laughs> just in my ankle this morning, man. It hurt. <laughs> oh, man. But not otherwise, just working, keeping up with the World Cup. Not much going on. Well, uh, Rafa, I think the U.S. is in a lot better shape than uh, your team here. But uh, we'll get to that towards the end of the show here. How are you doing? Good. Just enjoying some time off, off being on the road and sporting the the new uh, Real Madrid third jersey. It came in today. <laughs> <laughs> we do got to talk about Juventus. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we do got to talk about that. And is that uh, the future of Barcelona? Um, um, yeah. Maybe, maybe Weston Bikini might get a call from <laughs> <laughs> Now, he's coming to San Antonio. You know that. No, no. So, Messi's coming to San Antonio. Huh? Messi's coming to San Antonio. Oh, um, no, he might be going to Miami. <laughs> Messi's going, well... And I think Royce put out a great point on this. <coughs> Rumor is Inter Miami is getting messy. Last year, Inter Miami broke the DP rules for MLS. This year, they're getting rewarded with Messi, and I think they're bringing in another high-profile player. Busquets. You know, how, 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 how does that make sense? I, just, I don't understand. Uh, MLS it's, is a it's, separate animal. And, it's the it's the Beckham uh, effect. And it's, he's getting what he wants. He's, 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 he's giving a lot of pound, uh, euros to, to Garber and. But it's not same. even. It's not even that. I think the star franchise, the LA, teams in LA, Galaxy and LAFC, uh, New York Red New York, Bulls, New York City, City. Um, DC United, um, and Miami tend to get the. Ability to bring in players that other clubs may not be able to bring in. And I know that's the uh, benefit of being a, a single entity uh, league here where you can kind of switch the rules, I guess you could say. To me, like I said, I grew up in Colorado, so the Rapids, you know, you know, are kind of my, you know, my team, uh, you know, that, that I, I, I've adopted. They would never get this opportunity. Um, now I'm assuming if Ronaldo or Messi said, Hey, I want to go to Colorado, 
I'm sure that's one thing, but it always seems like that these top players end up in the top franchises around the league. You don't really see uh, Real Salt Lake. You don't really see um, even Seattle. Seattle really pull them. You pull them there. Um, Atlanta's a little bit interesting too. Orlando. Well, Orlando <laughs> they've had Nani for a while, but. In a way, if you think about it, it's the ho- the Hollywood cities. So yeah, it's like like the Los well, it's all about area. selling their image. That's what they're doing. Yeah. They're going to places where they can sell their image. The marketing and the, aspect. And I'm sure Ronaldo's not going to be able to sell an image at, at Sporting Kansas City or <laughs> or, or in St. Louis. But you're well, let me ask this question with Ronaldo: Do you think he could come to MLS with the is issues that he had in Vegas of the alleged rape and stuff like that? Do you think yeah, he think, would ever? You think he? Could come? I think he's going to LA Galaxy. Oh, you do. I have a feeling he's going to go either LA Galaxy. Um, could could even be Inter Miami. That's the dream everybody no, wants. You can't have Messi. Messi play. And, no. Beckham Beckham has that cash. No. So, you got to keep him. Sober. I mean, that's 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 been also the rumor because you know with the South Beach and so forth that that's more his image, but. Uh, I did hear that he was being looked at by some team in Saudi Arabia, which I'm sure they're going to throw millions of dollars. Well, he's free, too. Yeah. I guess, yeah, he's free right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's uh, free. Man, yeah, man, you uh, decided to part ways with him. Um, but we're not the MLS podcast, so uh, enough MLS talk here. Um, Royce <laughs> might uh, you know, recover from his injury and come on and, and, and beat the crap out of us here. So. <sighs> So, Rafa, you weren't on the last episode here. Um, you know, uh, you know, Matt was all in it. You know, downtown chasing around. You know, you know, Mayor Ron says BFF now. Um, Heck no. I wish so. I was. <laughs> no beer showers. I wish I, I, wish I had that liberty. <laughs> Your thoughts on uh, the the final because uh, unfortunately dude, I think you were working or you were unable yeah. to attend um, you were out of town um, and even with the hotel that you were in um, <laughs> unfortunately you weren't able to attend because uh, you're probably down in RGV you know we, we know that you know they can't handle winning or anything along those lines so your thoughts on the title game against Lou City um, I mean that was pretty much probably one of the most I'm not saying perfect games, but well-executed games that they've played all year. You can tell that they wanted it more than Louisville. And Louisville just came out awestruck because they it, it was basically like a, a, a heavyweight boxing fight. They got punched right away, and they never recovered from it. And, and then, you know, SAFC, it was just full throttle. You know, I'm I'm sure those Lou City fans didn't think to be down three <laughs> zero. No, they didn't, and, and know, it uh, could have been a lot worse because I I think we could have been up four or five nothing. But you know, I know they got one back, but they just couldn't recover. I mean, I, I just got to say kudos to, to Marcin, and I think, and that's something I said I think the episode before, the difference was going to be I think Marcina coaching. He, coaching. He had a game plan. And he has the experience winning the, with the one with the Scorpions. So he knew what what to do. And basically, they neutralized. They just could – like I said, Louisville did not look comfortable. 
and we just took them out of the rhythm and we controlled the whole game. And it may not say that on the stat sheet because I think we were the, the lowest possession in a title game or something like 29%. But, hey, you know, the three goals is what mattered. And, and, and like I said, so just kudos to, you know, Marcino on what he did, you know, and, and that was the difference. And it was well-earned. And you can tell by the afterwards when they won, the, you know, after the game, you know, it, it was like relief. Because it was a, it was a team effort, mm-hmm. you know. Look, all the all the injuries that we went through. I mean, for a team that went up through so many injuries, you know, if you look at other sport teams, they would fall apart. But this team did not fall apart. They stayed together. It was next man up, and it, they kept the level of play. And hopefully, like I said, we we'll get that second star next year because. It's gonna look nice when we put it on the jerseys and stuff this coming season. But I think I think this still this team's still hungry, you know. I think hopefully we'll we'll get into like we're gonna get into it about being intact and so forth. But it was a great game, and you know we're the champions, and it was well earned. Then your microphone's off, Harry. Sorry, I had to cough. Um, we're going to go through just kind of a quick recap, um, just kind of see hey how the, how the schedule, how the season unfolded, if anything stuck out to you as far as on, on the stretch of San Antonio in 2022. Um, after that, um, I do have the SAFC uh, offseason player tracker. Um, we already kind of know some who's coming back, the five players at this point. We know probably – well, four from the roster, entire roster of last year, but we know Sam and Dinner and it is not coming back, most likely, uh, unless there's another loan, which I'm not sure that's going to be plausible. Um, but we'll we'll kind of go through, get Rafa's and Matt's. Hey, you know, do you anticipate him to come back, or do you, you know do you anticipate him to move on? Um, for various reasons, uh, you know, it could be you know, uh, for instance, like the Shane Beckford. There's no way I see him coming back just because he didn't have the minutes and. Um, not sure he had a role with the team this year, how it, how it shaped out here. So we'll kind of go through that. Uh, we'll kind of look ahead to the 2023 season already because there's already been two player announcements uh, you know, for 2023 on multi-year contracts here. And then uh, we'll do kind of final thoughts on, you know, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I guess we could call it here on the SAFC season. Um, obviously the good most likely is going to be winning the title. So, We'll, we'll, we'll eliminate that, but, you know, what what good um, from from San Antonio FC, you know, not necessarily the team, but, you know, game day environment, um, you know, just, you know, sell staff, you know, season ticket, you know, members along those lines, try to give them, you know, some feedback, positive, negative, neutral, you know, whatever the situation is. Uh, ending up, we'll probably talk uh, World Cup, or we will talk World Cup uh, for that here. And uh, we'll talk uh, Rafa's world soccer. Um, I want to ask him about Juventus just for the fact to see how big of a deal that is um, and what could what could be the possible ramifications because, uh, let's be honest, Juventus is probably the tip of the iceberg on these big clubs that at some point, you know, and, and I'm speaking to you, Barcelona, at some point, you're going to have to pay the toll. Um, you know, you can only kick that can so many down the road before, you know, the can gets, gets kicked back at you. So, um, 
So let's get started. And so kicking off, uh, season started March 12th. So uh, we're already December 1st, basically. So we're, what, 90 days approximately from uh, kickoff of a season? Um, maybe 100 days uh, from that, depending on when uh, USL releases it. Uh, so they played uh, start of the season against a very quality opponent, Detroit City. I know a lot of people coming in underestimated Detroit City with the Nice All-Stars, um, but they showed even in the first match here that, you know, they're a quality opponent. After that, two away matches, one against uh, Los Dos. Uh, this was one of the few matches where they did have fans uh, for that here. rest of the games, I don't believe had any fans, but this one here was on the back of a doubleheader uh, with the Galaxy. Uh, first away match at RGV, they won 2-1 two, two here. Came home, um, lost to Phoenix Rising. Uh, the thing that stuck out about me on that match here was the lack of forwards, lack of lack of attack uh, for that here. Um, there went on the road to the defending champs, uh, Orange County, uh, 1-1-0. Came home, faced El Paso, uh, 1-1-0. Went to New Mexico. Uh, me and AJ were there. Uh, 1-1-0 on a PK that was right on the edge of the box and then came home and destroyed Monterey Bay, who was at the end of, what, a seven-game road trip, I think. And you mm -hmm. could just tell they were checked out. They won 6-0. And then uh, we'll finish up here. We'll, that'll get us through uh, the first um, month and a half of the season, you know, for that here. Uh, so they had only lost once. Um, at that point here, too, um, and that was a home match against Phoenix Rising. Um, your thoughts on how the season started? Um, anything that stands out uh, to you, Matt, or you know that uh, you, know, fr you know from the opening matches on the you know first part of the season? I, they were back. They were hungry from the beginning. Man, they, we just we said, serve me what I have, what I need to eat, and we're gonna take it. Obviously, we spit out the. the one against Phoenix, but everything else, man, they were, I, you could tell they were hungry to, to win the show. Hey, we need to go back for, for San Antonio. Rafa, your thoughts? I think this, like I said, there was, this is, is kind of like remind this, the beginning of the season reminded me of kind of like the 2014 Spurs. Remember they lost to, to Phoenix and mm -hmm. the NBA to Miami. Yeah, to Miami, and then that 2014, they were just on a mission to kick everyone's butt, and and that's kind of how I saw it with, the, with with this team. I think it left a sour taste on their mouth losing to PKs to Orange County, and you know they that I think that was that was the goal. Hey, let's let's take care of business. Even though we had that setback with Phoenix, which I, we did outplay them until we had those injuries. You know, we we're missing shots, hitting the post, and so forth. But we did outplay them, but we did just kind of things kind of fell apart when we had those injuries. But you know, to go on the road and get a win at New Mexico, take care of business with El Paso and down in RGV, you know, and then make a statement game with you know, make an example out of Monterey, you know, you know, these guys were are wanting to you know to take care of business. This you know, this, it was a take care of business season for them coming in. So it stood out to me. Um, two things. One, the road victories. They started out 4-0 on the road, um, which 
you know, if you know San Antonio FC history, typically previous years outside of the end of 2021, they struggled on the road. If you got a tie on the road, that was thought to be a good thing. So coming out, getting four quality wins, especially against where they got them, RGV, Orange County, which they've struggled in Orange County, and more importantly in New Mexico United, which they'd never won um, through there. So to me, that kind of set the point. The sour point was kind of two things. Number one uh, was that Kristen Bonilla started this first three games and then, you know, magically retired uh, to South Beach uh, is where he ended up uh, for that here right before the Phoenix match, um, you know, for that here. And, and it worked out for San Antonio FC, but, um, the, you know, the change in goalkeepers is never easy. And we talked about it at that point and especially how it came. Um, along those lines. So those were the two things that kind of stood out for me. So next up, um, so they hit a way, way match of five games uh, away at Phoenix, which they lost 3-0, uh, came back, defeated Miami FC 2-0 on the road, away at RGV, um, won 3-2, lost to Sacramento in a close match, and beat Monterey Bay um, in Monterey Bay 3-2. And to me, a pretty a pretty decent match on June 11th. Came home, played Oakland Roots uh, to a 1-1 draw. And then... It, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I had some feedback. And then uh, June 24th on a Friday, ESPN match in Colorado Springs, which was first or second at the time. They earned a tough 1-0 uh, win, and then they came home that following Tuesday uh, against Tulsa and won 2-1 here. So for May and June, uh, anything stick out to you, uh, you know, for either specific matches or your form or any, any storylines that you remember? I think this was like the gauntlet, you know, the meat of the, of the especially of the road games, you know, because I could say with that matchup with Colorado, you know, one versus two, you know, to get a win out of there, you know, we made a statement there. I know we had that tough loss at, at Phoenix, you know, which we should be out Phoenix playing. And at Sacramento. Yeah, and Sacramento, like I said, you know, there were, at that time, there, you know, well, at that time, Phoenix was still kind of cooking. But like I said, you know, in Sacramento, you know, they were going to be one of the teams to contend as well, you know, that was a close, that was a very close competitive, basically a playoff game. Um, that comeback win against uh, Monterey, and that was the one I think Patino had just came back from injury, mm -hmm. and got, you know, got that, got the winner. That was real crucial. Um, the But then the following week, we had that little setback with, with, with the Oakland Roots, you know, we had to come back and tie that one up. But I guess well, it, but, did they, did they? Did we come back to tie that, or did they get a late goal to tie? I think I, I think, I think they got a late goal. I'm not too sure. I, I, yeah, I can tell you here. Hold on one second. Yeah. I think it was a tie. I think they came back on that one because that because they were one of the teams that they scored very late, had the most goals in the last ten minutes of the games. Actually, mm -hmm. no. Joseph Nane got the goal where the defense broke yeah. down in the 29th minute. And Sam yeah. Dinneran got one right before the half. So, yeah, so that one there, we had a defensive break and, you know, around the 30th minute. 
Um, and I can still remember Rafa talking talking about the play of, hey, you know, a defender didn't step forth, and that's why they mm-hmm. were able to get the victory. And but uh, Sam got one right before the right before the half. And that's and that's another thing that changed kind of things when you mentioned about Sam. Well, that's when we brought him in. When we brought him, that that changed <laughs> the dynamics of the team because now now we had a poacher that can put the ball in the net while Patino was still kind of recovering from the from that injury injuries and stuff. Your thoughts, Matt? I mean, you could tell you could tell certain key players if they were missing. That's when we lost. That's that's how I see it. And I mean, they they still came out fighting. That's, that's how I'm seeing it. Key players, and they still just kept fighting. Um, but you can also tell that that they're trying to make statements out of some teams like uh, Colorado and uh, mm-hmm. who else? I can't remember. Colorado RGB. And, and RGB. So there was a statement that, that needed to be made, and they were doing it. So they came home um, June 28th, which was a Tuesday, which talked about Tulsa. Played uh, Charleston Battery 2-0. Played Atlanta United uh, FC 2-5-0. Went on the road uh, to El Paso uh, 1-1-0 um, in, in a tight match. Beat Vegas on the road uh, that following Wednesday, 2-0. Came back and drew LA Galaxy. Went on the road to San Diego. Uh, lost 3-0 and wasn't even close. Came back home, faced Loudoun United on a Wednesday, 2-1. Played Vegas again, uh, 2-0. RGV, uh, you know, on Saturday was a 2-2 draw. And I think that was the Mitch Tainer uh, goal to tie it at the end. Uh, I'm way at Indy 11-1-0 during Indy's uh, best streak where they beat both uh, San Antonio and Louisville um, in back-to-back games. So uh, heat of the summer, uh, July, August, uh, a lot of matches, a couple of blimps, in my opinion, the, the draw against Galaxy, uh, which was a hell of a free kick, I forget, uh, you know, by, by the Galaxy kicker, uh, the one that scored. Uh, Loyal. That was the match where we had basically academy kids and roster was just depleted um, at that point. But um, I think you kind of saw, to me at least, the you know, the RGB match where they came down, but they came back at the death and um, did what RGB's done to us, you know, a couple of times and snatched uh, three, you know, snatched those three points away and, and walked away at the point um, for that here. The Indy Eleven match. The, San Antonio was comfortably in, in the standings at that point. You know, you didn't want to lose it, but you didn't to me, to I think that was, was a good loss for us. Yeah, it, it was one of those where a wake up call, a wake Keep up call humble. road, and one where Indy Eleven was kind of struggling, and one where you know losing to San Diego at San Diego, you can kind of understand that with with the depleted roster. The one at Indy. If memory serves me right, we didn't like coach's tactics, uh, you know, of mm-hmm. who he played at, at, on on that one there. Um, and I don't, he didn't, you know, Coach Marcina didn't get a lot of things wrong. But I think for Mar, you know, for that Indy Eleven game, I think if he had to do it again, there would have been some some changes to the lineup here. If memory serves me, you know, going back, um, you know, I know we had the cupcakes to start uh, start uh, July. 
Um, but your thoughts on this one here, Matt, as far as, you know, the, the heat of the summer uh, between July and August? I feel I feel like we just had games where we had to be humbled, if, if that's a way to look at it. That indie game, I think, was the biggest one that made that said, hey, we get it. You're on top of the world, but let's come back to reality. So, I mean, like I said, in the beginning, they wanted something and they were – they were striving for it. And once again, like the real game, key players were missing. So, of course, it's going to come out to that 3-0. So, they were still they were still hungry. Your thoughts, Rafa, on uh, the heat of the summer matches? Yeah, I mean, we took care of business with the cupcakes. And I don't want – I think the indie, the indie game, we should have really won that game. But – uh, at least that one, I think that really kind of opened our eyes. Hey, you know, we need to get our butts in gear, even though we lost to San Diego. But that game, like you mentioned, we had academy players were very depleted. Garcia, I don't think Garcia played that game. And, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. you know, I think San Diego was more motivated and getting yeah. revenge from last year because we beat them up. And But we knew we were going to play them, big, you know, a few weeks later, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um I think it was no no biggie because we still had a I think a double digit lead on, on point. Yeah, we were comfortably ahead at this lead. point. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you could you could sacrifice a couple games because we're a lot of the games were were crunched up because you had a Saturday game, then you had a Wednesday game or or Friday game. So mm-hmm. I think Marcina had to really kind of juggle the lineup a bit to keep a lot of the players fresh because you know to kind of really put them on there a lot. You know, who's to say you know it drains them out and. You know, we want to. Fit, he wanted to finish strong towards the end, and I think he he was able to manage that. To manage that 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 little gauntlet there. So September kicks off with the away match at Oakland, uh, which uh, they won comfortably 2-0. Came home, uh, played Loyal. This time we we're at full strength, um, and I think uh, Loyal had one of their players injured. I forget which one it was. Uh, uh, I want to say it was Blake or you know. Um, one of their start, no Metcalf. It was Metcalf mm-hmm. um, that in, got injured in that match early, uh, which kind of affected them. Uh, but one one zero against them. Drew against New Mexico. Um, the Colorado Springs match was a COVID makeup um, game here, so that was on a Tuesday, which they ended up winning one zero. Uh, came back the following Saturday, beat Sacramento one zero, and then to me, you know, the, the stretch that won because you know from. Basically, Oakland through Birmingham were all playoff teams. Um, you know, for for USL, you know, went on the road, been a rainy uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds uh, stadium, uh, which Royce was at one one zero, down to Kaler's uh, Birmingham Legion one two one, and then came home and, and drew uh, against Orange County. That one was kind of a little bit disappointing because if they would have won, they would have, you know, I think tied or set the, no, they would have mm-hmm. set the uh, USL championship uh, points mm-hmm. record. Um, I, I thought, you know, as far as for a stretch coming in to set up for the playoffs, you couldn't, you couldn't ask for a much better opportunity. You know, most of the matches were at home against playoff quality teams from the West. The way were at against Eastern teams that were playoff quality as well. So if you lost, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a six point match. And then of course, you know the the Orange County one that was probably a little bit of a disappointment. You know if you're looking at out of these results here, um, you know Orange County finished last, but uh, 
you know, hey, the, you know, the, the, you know, it made their season, you know, the way they were celebrating a draw. So, you know, congrats, Orange County. Matt, your thoughts on the uh, end of season, uh, September and the end of early, yeah, mid-October? I feel like uh, it was kind of the layout of what we were going to see pretty much in the playoffs. Meaning uh, the Eastern team showed you pretty much uh, how we looked at them pretty much. And then, yeah, I would have I would have asked for a different result with Orange County, but obviously they were trying to make a statement as well, try to humble us down, but and they kind of did. But at the same time, hey, you you still overcome all the other obstacles. You still overcome to all these other uh, amenities, the the Texas Cup and all these uh, all the other trophies, Copa Tejas, the Copa Tejas, the, the Shields. I mean. Hey, it's okay to get the draw, but next year you know what you want. Rafa, your thoughts on the on the final stretch? Uh, th- when we saw the final stretch, we were like, oh, this is going to be a doozy. <laughs> you know, but championship teams rise to the occasion. And I think this was the month, this, this September, October show that this was a championship contender. Even though we had two draws with, with with you know with New Mexico, I know we gave it one late and then the one against Orange County, but two quality wins on the road at Birmingham and at and especially at Pittsburgh with yeah. when it was rainy and cold and they could know, have so it, easily it just you know hey it's not our night we're you know we're gonna do because I mean, that was a late Mal- goal as well. Yeah, for I mean that, that save by Maloney to get, keep the ball in to send in Nicky Hernandez in the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, to get the, uh, for Manly to get the winner in, you know that that showed that showed right there, like, hey, we're for real, and we're battle tested, and we're ready to, to kick some butt in the playoffs. And like I said, this 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 key stretch got us. I think it helped us help us win the championship. So then in the playoffs, um, we drew Oakland Roots at home in the second round because they upset San Diego Loyal, so they were the seventh seed. Uh, for that here, we won 3-0. Um, drew Colorado Springs in the next match uh, in the Western Conference Finals, uh, won 2-0. And then, of course, as we talked about at the top, top of the show here, uh, beat the number one seed out east, uh, Louisville City, 3-1. Um, playoffs, uh, to me, what will stood out, uh, and this goes from the Orange County crowd, is the attendance. Um we averaged over 8,000 fans for those four matches and all the matches outside of the orange, outside of the orange County one were pretty convincing victories. Uh, you know, I know Colorado Springs was tight till the end, but I didn't feel San Antonio was at the game. I didn't feel, you know, especially when they got that first goal, I didn't feel San Antonio was going to lose any of the matches for that here. And, and just to me that, that atmosphere that, you know, that the 8,000, uh, you know, people brought and, and, you know, the final ended up being in front of, uh, 8,534, which I believe is the highest attended match for, uh, SAFC at Toyota field, uh, you know, for that here. So to me, the, the crowd, um, cause I hate to, you know, and this is probably going to be part of my, you know, the good, bad or the ugly, the crowds before that weren't, more than eight thousand. <laughs> they weren't even six. No. <laughs> so, <No. laughs> so, 
to me, like I said here, I, I thought San Antonio showed up well, you know, for that here. Um, obviously, the big one here, I think, was against uh, the Roots. Um, PC went out with, with a broken rib injury along those lines. Uh, Matt, we'll go with you because you're in the bunker um, on the drums and you're you know whining about your arms half the time here. Um, your thoughts, <laughs> your thoughts of the playoff stretch here, you know, uh, end of October through mid November. Yeah, my, my, my request on this show was answered, man. I got that bunker packed. I had no breathing room whatsoever. And, and the crowd, the crowd made the big difference. I, I want to say, I, I feel like the fans actually showing up really showed the, the guys, Hey, we know we've been watching you. We've been seeing you. We're here finally. We make the time for you. Like, give us what we're giving you. So, I, I just I want to just thank all the fans that actually showed out because mm-hmm. it like it's like they said the the atmosphere really made the difference. Rafa, your <coughs> excuse me, your thoughts of the playoffs. I might have to play devil's advocate on this when it comes to the fans. Um, where were you before the playoffs? That's what exactly. I was hinting at. You know, to me, it's great to see a sellout crowd for all the playoff games. It's, that's great. But, you know, jumping on the bandwagon and this and that, you know, we should have we should have games like that at every game you have, you know, this, this To season. be fair – and I don't, we may address this in the good, bad, and the ugly. San Antonio did have some self-inflicted wounds early mm-hmm. in the year. Yes. Um, <laughs> that, in my opinion, played a huge part in fan attendance this year. And we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit. So I agree calling out the fans where they were. And, um, but – to go from 8,000 down to, you know, looking at our attendance, it was probably, it was, it was almost scorpion year like, you know, you know, mid fives, early, you know, mid five to mid six range on most matches, mm-hmm. um, you know, which, which is, which was pretty after the first year of Toyota field opening up, what was kind of the, the scorpions attendance outside of, of their championship year um, as well. So, <sighs> Playoffs? What can you say? They were convincing. Yeah. Uh, to me, they, they they showed they were the best team. Um, the regular season champs, Copa Teos champs, USL Championship. Um, outside of the Open Cup, um, you know, losing to Houston, which is you know, you don't want to see. It's not a just you know, it's it's not. As long um, as we beat Austin, we beat Austin. To me, and you know, so my recollection of the year. And RB, you know, from Texas Ring of Fire, you know, I invited him down. He came over afterwards and was like, what's your thoughts on it? And I was like, to me, this is right up there with beating Austin. It, you know, beating Austin in the Open Cup match, to me, was was just as important as beating Louisville for, you know, for that, for that championship. Um, and, and, you know, they're for different reasons, obviously. San Antonio and Austin will always have a rivalry when it comes to, to it comes to soccer, and, and that goes back to the Aztecs. It goes back to the Anthenians and um, Austin Elite. There's there's just a rivalry. You know, Rafa, you talk about it in high, high school. school sports. 
Um, it's it's just you know it's it's more personal. Winning the you know, winning the USL championship to me was kind of a relief. Where finally San Antonio FC got it over got it over the hump, like you know, because they are one of the top franchises. I know we you know we'll bitch and moan about small things that they do, but if you look at them on a macro level, they are a first class organization in USL Championship that hadn't always got the results that they probably deserved. Um, you know, for that here and part of it, you know, you know, there's a lot of different reasons on that. So to me, you know, winning the winning the USL championship for me personally was the work is finally paid off in you know for Holt, you know, for Marcina, going back to Coach Powell who laid the laid the foundation, um, the Spurs front office, you know, the Crocketeers 118, 210 Alliance, you know, all the season ticket, you know, members that have been there from day one. It finally paid off, and, and to me, it was it was a relief because you know we'd seen the Scorpions do it in what year two, year three, 2014. Uh, 2014. So year three that they won the title, and, and we were we're in what year six with um, with uh, San Antonio FC. So it was always that um, it was always underneath the the surface there of hey, can San Antonio FC do what the Scorpions did? And, and I hate saying that, but you know. I was there, uh, you know, in, in 2014, I was on the pitch, unlike this year. Um, I was on the pitch, you know, celebrating with Rafa Castillo and, and, and the team. And it, it, to me, for us that have been there from, you know, from year one, you know, with, 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 the, uh, with the Scorpions to kind of see San Antonio FC complete that circle and bring the title back home. There's not – I don't know if there – there's not – there's not many teams – in an eight-year period, that's won two Division II titles. And I know one's in NASL and one's in USL Championship, but they're still D2 titles, you know, you know, in the U.S. soccer system. So, Matt, we'll go with you next, and then uh, we'll end up with Rafa. I mean, hey, it's it's well worth it seeing it from from being a baby coming out of high school, just seeing the <laughs> seeing the uh, the Scorpions win to all the way till. Man, I'm just watching SFC being able to get with everybody. <laughs> so uh, it, it does feel well paid off. It does feel well, uh, well relief. You can finally breathe and say, "Hey, this team finally won their championship. They, all their hard work is pretty, pretty great now." So yeah, Austin Knight mentioned the season average on attendance was about 5,900. Yep, sounds about right. Yeah. But um. Yeah, at the end of the day, I feel like it was it, San Antonio was kind of overdue for another championship, and at the same time, uh, it it was just hard work amongst all all across the board, whether it was FO, whether it was Spurs, whether it was just the coaching staff and even just the players. It was it was well brought up uh, to win that the championship this year. Rafa, your your final thoughts on the playoffs all, uh, as a whole, and you know just SAFC before we kind of move on to should they stay or should they go? Um, like I said, this is like the dream season we waited. I think six years of hard work, and um, I, I think the turning, like I said, that the turning point I think was. Like I said, was that Austin FC game? I, I think we had something. Like as far as 
putting San Antonio on the map for soccer, that was our statement game. You know, because we'd end up beating a team that made the MLS Final Four, you know. Mm-hmm. And and we, and we took care and of And they were competitive. They, they were they a were quality team. Mm-hmm. And Austin FC, while they didn't have their full starting 11, they had the majority of, of, of their of their lineup out there. This was a game that Austin FC cannot come back and say, hey, we didn't really make it, you know, make an effort on. It was something where they put an effort in to win and their subs proved that that they brought in, you know, first teamers in, you know, in into the match uh, for that year. So I mean, I mean for them they could say you're still an MLS team, you're a first team. It's not like they were playing academy players like how we have in the past. So th- that's a big difference there, but you know, lo- just looking at this season, it, you know, for all the things that happened to us with all the injuries, you know, to some of our key players and then one thing you got to also give is we made some right moves and bringing in other players, especially utility players like, you know, like, you know, Salam, Delam, bringing up, bringing back Pirano made a big difference. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. the, the big, the big, the big one up to me out of all the, you know, as far as the loans with Sam Madeiran, once we got him mm-hmm. and that's what I think that what he was the missing piece to this is we didn't from last year, we, we didn't have another poacher that can put the ball in the net and, and when him and Patini were on there, they just caused a lot of havoc. And then just having, you know, like I said, Pirano. And then you can tell Pirano has raised his level of play. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he hasn't played much in Portugal, but wherever he was loaned out to, you know, he's getting trained probably a lot higher quality than what he would probably receive at USL. And it showed on the field with a lot of us, a lot of the moves he made. So, and then what, do, what can you say about uh, Jordan Farr? I mean, he, he was a, the backup keeper, and, you know, yeah, Bonilla was good. I mean, he had a good – he was a great keeper, but, mm-hmm. you know, some things, I guess, I don't know what happened and as far as why he quit, you know, and – but, you know, we could have just – we could have fell apart there, but Jordan Farr, from coming in, you know, he left a big legacy out of what out of this season from what he did, the heroics he did from last year's playoffs to – to now look at all the clean sheets he did, you know, winning goalkeeper of the year. I mean, what more could you have asked for? And, you know, and, but the thing is overall, this was a total team effort. There was no egos and this and that this team got along. They fought for each other. Hey, we're going to win together or we're going to lose together. And that's, and that was the whole, and you look at some other teams, they had a lot of me players, you know, look at Phoenix. They felt basically bought their team looking they were going to win the championship and they basically fell apart and we just we kept it together and we ended up winning the whole thing so next we're going to do would you bring them back well well do you think they'll be back would you be back um or do you think they're going to be off to other places so we'll start with our lone players here first nikki hernandez who was not renewed by uh, fc dallas here do you think that we have a chance on retaining him or do you think he will land with MLS somewhere else here? Um, whoever wants to jump in or if you guys want to discuss it. I, I, I think, I think he's seeking maybe an MLS team, but if I'm him, I, I'd come back to San Antonio. If you really want to go back to maybe also prove FC Dallas wrong, 
come to back to San Antonio because he did a lot of great things here when he oh, did play. Especially where like would he play though? They're in the, you in got the Abu Central. and PC coming back already. Well, like I said, we're you know that's the thing we can do by committee, and I think he's he can learn a lot from Abu and from PC, and I think eventually that's going to help him because you know like I said, PC and Abu is not going to be here forever. So, um, I I think he comes back. You know, he'll have his role, you know, even off of the bench where there's some games that maybe we'll give a break for Abu PC and we won't miss a beat on him. So if I'm him, I'd, I'd come back, you know, and if, especially once I once I get back into the MLS, you know, he needs to come back. And I think he's under the great system here to get get him back to, to that level. Matt, your thoughts? You think he comes back? I say he comes back, but I still think he's at the same time. But I, I think he's looking at MLS. Yeah, I think he's looking at MLS. I, I felt like he's he's looking out there because to get to get kind of swiped by FC Dallas after you won a championship kind of doesn't sit well. And, and even if I was in his shoes, it wouldn't sit well with me. But at the same time, like Rafa said, yeah, I come back, prove him wrong, say, hey, this is the talent you're missing. But at the same time, uh, I would I would still be searching MLS. All right, so you got has got Nikki coming back. Uh, Jordan uh, Mbiala. I, I don't think he comes back. I, you know, he really didn't play too much. It, is Man, it he did, I mean, he did come in when he needed to come in and did well. But I think for him, I think maybe he might be looking somewhere where he can actually get some more playing time to develop more. So maybe hey, I don't I don't see him coming back. Same for you, Matt. Yeah, like, like I said, is it bad if I say I don't remember who he was? <laughs> like I'm not like not trying to be that guy. I really don't. It's black. Don't don't. <laughs> Late season from uh, Orlando City, Jacqueline. Um, I think the odds of him coming back are small. Um, I think he was just here to do it. Um, even though he played well in MLS 2, uh, League 2 here with Orlando City B, I think they're called, or Orlando City 2, I'm not sure which one they're called. Fair To me, fair or unfair, I didn't, didn't, per, I didn't think he fit with us very well. I won't lie to you, it bothered me that he was on the playoff roster, on the playoff 18 above other people. Um, I would have liked to, you know, seen other players that have been here all season um, for it here now. If there's injuries and stuff, I just didn't see him having a need, uh, you know, for it here. But uh, your guys' thoughts on Jack uh, making the trip back to uh, San Antonio? Uh, I don't. Uh, he's going back to Orlando. Um, he just didn't. I know he did well there, I, and I know Orlando's whole purpose for him maybe can he handle playing the next uh, level division because MLS nexus are just about, I mean, it's just basically kind of like college. I mean, but a little bit, a little oh, bit I think more. it's above that. I just don't, maybe it's a not division as physical three. though. That's it's, yeah. It, the issue is it's, and it's, I, it's you're and, still and playing against that, kids. You're not playing against yeah. men. And that's, I think that was the difference. And I think that's why they probably sent him out and he looked, he did look lost. Um, he was growing into it. I think if he would have yeah. came in, First part of the season, we'd probably, probably have a different view of him. Yeah. But coming in as late as he did, 
Yeah, and I think that was more of a hitting the panic when I think with Patino kind of went down. Right. And I, I don't think we needed to sign another. I think we could have probably signed a maybe a, a, a midfielder instead or maybe another defender just to sure up that. Because I remember Camary was, was getting a couple of those hamstring injuries or, you know, Garcia was out. You know, I think we needed another, maybe sign another def- quality defender instead of, because we have plenty of forwards, you know. But I think that was more of a hit in the panic button. But, um, yeah, he'll, I think he'll still say whether in Orlando. Um, maybe they'll loan him out to, who knows, maybe they'll loan him back out here to start the season to maybe to, to develop playing against more physical players and teams. Probably so, to sharpen them Maybe. Huh? Probably to sharpen them up. That's a possibility. I think he's got the, the potential. I just mm-hmm. – he was just too. It was late. just bad. It was just bad timing. Yeah, it was like just bad timing. Flashes of it, timing. but to me, if if I'm going through, uh, you know, I don't think Jack comes back. The next one here will be on everybody's Christmas wish. Christian Pirano signed with uh, Paracos, right? Uh, mm-hmm. From Portugal, over in Portugal. Hasn't played for him, was loaned out to a team in Greece. This would be year three. I think he signed a four-year, four-year, five-year deal. I forget how many years it was. I'll, I'll lead mine. I think depending – I wonder what the deal was struck if SAFC has the opportunity to buy him. And I also want to know kind of what what the price would be. Um, cause I do think he has a home as far as with the fan base. I do think he likes being here, at least, you know, his body language and, and from what we see, um, you know, with coach Marcina and, and San Antonio FC, obviously every fan's going to say, yes, they want him back. So it's not so much of a question. Do you want him back? Cause of course everybody said, yes, we want, want Pirano back. Question is, is do you think he will be back? Do you think SAFC would pull the trigger? on a loan to, you know, loan to buy or a buy ratio, you know, since he is probably still under contract uh, with, with uh, Paracosa over in Portugal. We'll go with you. We'll start with you, Rafa, because, you know, you're, you're, you're our international soccer guru. I, I think Paracos needs to play him. I mean, you, you, you sign him for a four-year deal, you need to play him. If he hasn't, you're he not hasn't gonna... appeared on any starting 18 18- – Roster and for the first team. Yeah, and if you're not gonna play them, and then you need to sell them, and you know, because for him to be out on loan on his fourth on his last year of his contract, eh, you know, he's probably better I, off. I think he's better off coming here, get the playing time, and then like I said, SAFC has a good track record of selling players, and then like I said, maybe just look at Gallegos. Now, Gallegos is, you know, hitting strides with his, his, his team in, Den- in Denmark. You know, who's to say, you know, maybe another team in Denmark will say, hey, we, we have to get Prano back. He does his thing. Maybe, maybe Prano's a better fit, uh, like maybe in Denmark or in Norway or even in Greece. You know, maybe some team's willing to invest in him if, if he comes back over here and plays. So I, I think it's a 50-50 shot. It's going to depend if SAFC is willing to open the wallet and trying to buy out his contract and trying to get him back over here. I think it's also of how bad do you want to run it back? That That's how I see it. If he does come back, 
Santa Santa was really listening to SAFC, but at the same time, like I want him to do I want him to do bigger things. And I will, you know, so Paco D. Ferreira, and I wish Royce was here because he could make sure I was pronouncing it correctly. Uh, they are currently last in the first division in Liga Portugal. Uh, 13 matches played, uh, zero wins, two draws, 11 losses, and negative 19 goal difference. So they are uh, in position to be relegated down to to uh, League Two or, you know, whatever the second division there in Portugal is. So you would think that they could use it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean – it's it's just strange. I don't, I don't know if it had more to do when they bought them that they had a change in in managers, and then that's sometimes the case. You know, you a manager buys you, and then he gets let go, and they have a new manager, and he may not be their cup of tea, or his cup of tea, or something. And maybe they to me, I think I think I think he's better off maybe coming back over here, kind of hit the little the reset button. But like I said, his level of play has gone up a bit more. But the, with our track record, I think we can find them a place. And here's and the, the, something that you mentioned, Harry. You know, when we, you know, we could have made money off of him, but like I said, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, he was out of a contract when he went to 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 Portugal. So maybe we can sign him to a contract that, if we some European does want him, or even a South American team wants him, like I said, at least we'll get some good compensation back. So next up, and the, this this says that all you need to know is San Antonio doesn't have him listed on the roster, hasn't had him listed on the roster all year, even though he is technically still on San Antonio's roster. Leo Torres loaned out to uh, uh, Real Salt Lake this year for a second year in a row. He's only 18. He didn't get a lot of – he got minutes in MLS 2. <sighs> But he didn't excel, um, didn't really stand out uh, for that here. Based on San Antonio FC's um, lack of even acknowledging Leo Torres exists any longer, um, do you see him coming back? Being, I'm assuming he's probably out of contract at, at this point because I knew he was signed to a multi-year deal. Do you see him coming back at all? Anybody? Mm-mm. I think this whole thing about keeping your local players, you know, that mystique. I mean, he's not, he hasn't hit the level of, of, of Gallegos when he was here. But he didn't get the opportunity, though. And that's yeah. in here. And, and, and this, and that's the thing. The team that we have right now, would he have the opportunity? And I don't think he, I think he's probably, if they're, if he's still under contract, I think they'll loan him out back even to Salt Lake. But I think they I really got to, I don't think he sticks with Salt Lake either. Maybe he goes down to league, to to League One, you know, kind of yeah. like what Ethan Bryant did at, at the Rich at Richmond. I mm-hmm. think maybe that's probably the better route for him is is to loan him out to there where he will get some quality play there, and and then that way SFC can make a decision if they want to move him back up or or just let him go. Um, Cody Lorendis, a uh, friend of the show, uh, agent of Grant McCullough. Uh, also known as um, Jordan Farr's brother. Jordan Farr's brother, or Mini Farr. <laughs> um, late season edition didn't make the didn't make uh, the uh, lineup, which is a great thing because that means Jordan Farr would have been out. You bring him back, 
I, I would like to see him back. I think he's got potential. He did well with Des Moines through there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got know, the size. He's six five. He's size. He's yeah. young. Yeah, you 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 bring especially with uh, the goalkeeper coach that we have with La Madrid. Yeah, you bring him back because you know you can develop him, and he could be. I mean, he's just the size as, as Dane St. Clair. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you can if you can do if you, he can develop, bring him back for another year, develop him, maybe give him a couple games. You, you may have a diamond in the rough out of him, and it could be a big payday for the team in the end. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd bring him back. I think he's done well at Des Moines. He's proven himself. He's coming in, and like I said, he's. I think he'll be a good backup for Jordan for the next season. So, Cody, make sure San Antonio pitch, picks up the line. I know uh, you were uh, with him out in California. You know, let's avoid Monterey Bay. Let's let's bring him back to Texas here uh, for that here. Uh, Dioff, um, 11, 11 appearances, five starts, 415 minutes. I don't – I don't flip. That's a – yeah. I mean, he's another utility player that you can, if you're out with the injuries and stuff, you can plug in. Um, but do you think I mean, he's he did what he did. He's 21. I mean, you. I mean, if he's 21, you keep him to develop him, but you got to play him a little bit more. But do you think he wants to go elsewhere? That's and that I think he may be leaning towards that. And I and I and that's why it's like I, I think he's maybe going to probably a, possibly another team. I, I can see I, can I wouldn't see that mind happening. him back, but he, to me he's not a priority if that makes yeah. sense. What about you, Matt? Nah, uh, I would have put him like Christian Pirano. I would have put him in a in a baby blue because no Christian Pirano is a wish list. Like yeah. everybody wants him back. The question is, can he? Dioff Dioff's going to be a team and player decision. Yeah, it's it's. I just say it's a coin flip at the end of the day. Do, do I see him potentially coming back? No, but you never know what Marcino or or Fo or or the scouting team's thinking. So, but we're we're really good at we're really good at finding role players. So, like you mentioned, I think we could. I can see him being him being let go, but we're always find somebody that can play this. You know, kind of the same role he did and. And, and just bug him in there. Jordy DeLim, uh, midseason from Sounders, 28. 16 uh, matches played, six starts. Yeah, go ahead. I would say yes. I, I, look what I, he did. Look what he did in the in the two the final the two, two playoff games. He he stepped up, so he he for me, he deserves a contract. He deserves a multi-year yeah. contract. Because, but do you think maybe he earned a spot elsewhere? I, I think because he's twenty-eight. Yeah, you, you figure he's probably looking for a payday, a, a, a decent check. I, I think. I think he can. I think he stays because, you know, uh, with the injury with the PC and Abu. We need a quality, like I said, he stepped up. He's quality. He's a great, you know, we can plug him in if we want to give Abu or PC a rest. But here's my question to you while we're putting this together. Because he plays the same position as PC and Abu, right? Mm-hmm. 
you already said you want Nicky Hernandez to kind of be in that rotation. So are you if you had to choose between Jordy and Nicky, who are you taking? You see what I'm see where I'm going? But also Dylan can play the outside defender too. Mm-hmm. A little bit more versatile. So he's yeah, that's he, true. So that's and that's the thing with him. You get step up in that. We, we had a lot of I guess you could I like to call yeah, we had a lot of switch, yeah. switch army knife players. You know, and so, I think that's what we need. I think we need to bring them back. Maloney already re-signed here to a multi-year deal. Um, he's twenty. He's only twenty-six, which is crazy to think because I think of him older than that. Um, <laughs> do you think? Do you think? Because he played pretty well when he went into the middle as well. Mm-hmm. Could you see Jordy kind of filling his role on the outside? Yeah, he can do that and too. Connor I being kind of more of that PC Abu Maloney kind of rotation there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because PCs were how old? Twenty? Oh, PCs only twenty-seven. Yeah, Abu is Abu no is way. thirty. So you could see where Abu maybe slides into more kind of that rotation. Yeah. Um, first off the bench line. So that's and that's why it's important to keep him because he really, like I said, we. When PC went out, we we're like, "Oh shoot, there goes our," and then with a boo out, that was a, that was my kind of concern going into the two games because it's like our two best midfielders out, but you got to give it to Delum. He played a hell of, hell of those two games and and stepped up. Yeah. So I, I you I think you bring him back because he can play multiple roles there in the midfield. All right, I'm going to change up here. Uh, Deshane Beckford. Uh, do we think he's coming back? Mm-mm. He just got lost in the shuffle, and I don't think we, he was – at first we thought, you know, because what he did in Colorado, hey, we're going to do something. You know, he's going to do great things, but he just didn't fit the system. Saeed Abdul-Salam. I thought I'd he say was yeah. a late-season addition. Um, the 11 matches, eight starts. I say, I say yes. Playoff. Well, no, he did play in the playoffs, right? He came mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Um, um, uh, For Camiri, uh, I think. Kamiri, yes. Yeah. I'd say yes. You think he comes back as as a role player on the bench? Yeah, because we need we what what I was concerned about, especially when you're playing the three back, we didn't have a lot of depth there. You know, you know, it was Garcia, Maloney, and uh, I mean Garcia, Tainer. Um, Kamiri and then also um, Manly, but we need we needed a fifth person, maybe even a six, just in case. Like I said, if someone went down, because you look you look at it, uh, Mitch played a, a lot of minutes this season, <laughs> so I think I think we need that extra added diff on the defense. And, and Salam played great when he went in, and uh, so I, I'd sign him back. Especially if you feel comfortable now, like. You'll be able to switch out your your, your top three, or well, if the all top three come back, uh, you would have more be more comfortable saying, "Hey, you need a rest." Okay, we'll put this player. All right, we'll go um, Collier, Eric Coll- uh, Elliot Collier, twenty six, coming off MLS injuries, um, played twenty two matches, fourteen starts, did have four goals uh, for us here. He started hot this in the beginning of the season. He was really a big factor, especially that RGV game down mm-hmm. there. 
but then that injury really kind of it took tweaked them. It tweaked them, and even though he came off the bench, he did play well and so forth. But I think his, I think with him, I think he's wanting probably to go back up playing MLS. But do you think he showed enough to do that? I don't think he did. I don't think he did. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe one of the I don't know if there any of the expansion teams. I think it was going to be St. Louis this coming yeah, year. I don't think St. Louis will touch him. Uh, you know, maybe you may, spent may, a lot know, of time in Chicago. Yeah. So, I mean, you if you sign him, you sign him for depth. Yeah, that's not true. Best way to do for your for your sub outs. So we're leaning that he's going to go elsewhere. Yeah, I'm leaning a little bit toward he, he may go elsewhere, but okay. if you do sign him, you're going to sign him for death. David Larrera, I think this one's a huge tie to Pirano. He came over from Phoenix, had injuries uh, in Phoenix, had injuries with us, and unfairly. Uh, 23 years old, 13 matches, seven starts. Um, two goals, and I think he had no, he did not have any assists. Amazingly, um, I thought he did. No, it's not saying he did. Um, for that, here he kind of got squeezed out of the rotation when Pirano came in, um, filled that, filled that role. Uh, for that, here, your thoughts on Larrera? Well, if Pirano doesn't come back, I think we resign him. Because he's the he's the same type of player he is. Is just because he was playing great. Is mm-hmm. that that injury really kind of took him out of the loop? And because every time when he would go in, he would change the pace of the game. And I know I know we experimented one game with both of them on there. It didn't work so hot, but you know he was a good change of pace player if you need an instant offense. So if, if I'm I'm FA, SAFC, I, I'd sign him for death. You know, for the midfield, especially for attacking mid, or maybe even pushing them up as a four or two. And if you play a three four three, I think he's very versatile. He's got a lot of speed. The one thing he's really good at is as on the one v ones taking on. Does he defender. fit the system for SAFC though? I think he does. I think he does. I think he does. So, like I said, I think he might be. It might be a fifty fifty. He may lean lean towards maybe want to play somewhere, but. Like I said, the injuries, maybe some teams might back off. So I think he's better off probably staying here. We'll go Nacho, Ignacio Ignacio Baloney, 28. uh, I thought he was alone, but he's not alone. He he was signed as a free. Mm -hmm. uh, 22 match played, six starts. Um, Obviously our super sub, but showed that he can come on um, and be – be active in his second stint. Uh, you sign, you resign him. I mean, he did a lot of great things, he, whether a super sub or even as a starter too, because he was starting a couple of games and he, he's a, he's a go getter, especially the, one of the I think one of the goals he scored, that that one hitter he made. Mm-hmm. I don't, know, I forgot which game. What was it that he really like? Jumped up near and boom, nail that sucker in, and now uh, you you resign him because look at look at what a lot of the injuries we had on the forward position. I think if we didn't have them, we probably lose a couple of some of those mm-hmm. games. So I, I think I think Nacho likes San Antonio. I think, I think we've really embraced him, kind of like with Pirano. Um, he's one of those guys, you know. He's one of the he's one of the guys. So I think you bring him back. I think he's a core. He's a, I think he's a vital piece to this team. 
I think it's the way San Antonio looks at Argentina in general. Well, they did, but then they've stopped. So, they may have to go back again. <laughs> so, you get what I'm saying. Right. I think it's the whole Argentinian aspect of it. That's why so a lot of San Antonians love them. If you're bringing back Dylan, which was announced, if you're if Rafa and Matt are bringing Match Maloney, um, Collier, we're saying, unfortunately, it doesn't look like he's going to stay. The remaining forward, Santiago Patino, 24, only 17 matches, 12 starts, six goals, no assists. Um, and these are regular season numbers, not playoffs. Um, really? That I was huge he in the had playoffs. An with the May have been in the playoffs. Not. Yeah. Not. This, these are just regular season numbers. Oh, okay. You bring him back, Patino. You think he's earned a shot, or his health issue is is there? It sounds like he has a very close relationship with Marcina. Um, based on the comments after, after you know, yeah. it was after the championship. So we also got to take that a little bit of a grain of salt here. Your thoughts I, on, on Patino coming back. And, and this one here, I think, splits the fan base because there's some that love him and there's some that, you know, just because of his actions and not being able to stay healthy are like, hey, we can we can find a better replacement. You know, for instance, Sam, you know, yeah. as an example. Well, he's like Mr. October because <laughs> he steps it up. He when steps he, it up in the playoffs. When he, when he plays, he does well. The problem is he hasn't been able to consistently stay healthy. Yeah. And that's been his problem with MLS. And and so far it's been his problem with and well injuries and cards because he's you know he does have a, a little bit of a temper, um, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But you'd like to see him mature, kind of like PC. Has yeah. matured a little bit, you know. You know, from from his first couple of years with San Antonio. I, I think you resign him. I think, if, but he, I think he needs to resign one more year. But he's got to prove himself as far as staying healthy. Yeah, if he can stay healthy, hopefully that'll land him to get back to the MLS. But like I said, that's a but. If he can, he's here's my thing though. You know, he earned money for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So even if he stays at D, you know, at Division Two, does San Antonio pony up top dollar to keep him? Because you know he's going to command a decent salary. We'll just say he's earned it. I mean, no, I'm not saying he's not hasn't earned it. Yeah, I think I think San San Antonio. Yeah, for San Antonio. I mean, do do you think that they use that money and spread it? You know, between. Because we still got center backs, and there's a certain goalkeeper that we still have to address as well, that will probably command some decent money if he's going to stay. I, I think they can they can spurge a little bit. Okay. To, to, well, to, they're, for, they're, for him. Spurs aren't spending money. So. Well, I mean, you know, they. Right. I think I think they can, unless unless there's an offer from some other team that wants him and they can make get money off of him, but. I'll put him down that you guys well Matt, are you on board that he's coming back or not? I know Rafa is. Uh, I know, I know I, I think know he's Spurs. gone. I personally think he's gone. I feel like the Spurs know how to spread the love when they used to do it with the with uh the actual Spurs having what four, five once at one point mega stars. So I mm-hmm. but then again, Tim Duncan 
Ginobili and Parker were kind of unselfish. So you got to take that into consideration too. But I feel like they'll, they'll cough up some money for him if, if he demands it. He'll de- he's got He'll demand he's it. 24. And, and, and I don't – my comments about the salary, you know, if any of the players are listening, I want you to go get the money. Don't get me wrong, because especially at D2 level, you got to get the money wherever it is. Um, and my hope is San Antonio is willing to cough it up. I've heard, you know, from other sources saying San Antonio may not be the easiest to cough up the money, we'll just say. <laughs> so that, that's why I asked the question. And then to me, if you're going to put out money, are we putting it towards the forwards or – are we looking to the back line with the Garcia, uh, Manley, and Kamiri? So, which is going to be next? Uh, that, you know, to me, Garcia, Manley, and Kamiri. I think everybody wants back. You know, yeah. so this is kind of a Piranha situation. It's not a. It's not a matter. Do you want them back? Where I think there is some question with Patino due to health issues and along those lines. We'll start with uh, we'll start with Manly um, for it here. Uh, from RGV had a great year, um, solid playing both on the wing and center back, so a little bit more flexibility. Does he return? Not do you want him, but does he return? I think he does because he just fits our system. I think I think he you can tell he really enjoys playing here. I think I think he's he's a vital piece. He knows you know even though we play a three back, he knows he's gonna get he's gonna get called up to play. Whether out in the wing or in the in the back three, so like I said, I, I oh, think no, it, it's it's vital that we we keep him. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, he's he's a bit of a switcher. Like he'll play he'll play somewhere in the mid, and probably always drop back to, or from the wings or even be a defender at some point in time. I, he's he's a key player. I think he's a key, key player. Part of the reason why I think he keeps is because he didn't leave uh, South Texas when he had the opportunity. Um, and I think that's also a key point with Fabian Garcia uh, for mm-hmm. him. Um, I, you know, all, all of these, all the center backs that we're going to be talking about here all have the potential to, to, to go elsewhere. And in my opinion, a step up um, to MLS level, uh, if, if given the opportunity. Uh, Garcia, um my only disappointment with Garcia is he didn't hit the uh, wonder goal on the free kicks this year like he did in Austin. Um, so I'd love to see him back uh, for a couple of years, uh, multi-year deal, please, um, with Fabian Garcia. So what's, you know, you think he comes back? I, I think I so. I think he hits it out. We I did. thought he hit it out at that, at the, at the celebration. Who was who, who's our uh, free kicks coach in Austin? Bold. <laughs> Maybe we need to bring him down here. You said he's <laughs> coming back, man, at the thing? I think so. He he hinted. Well, it you up. said at the celebration. What what did he say at the celebration? I don't know. He said something in French and and, and I nobody could. I mean, probably be français. Merci beaucoup. So I feel like he hinted it towards us and just didn't translate it correctly for us. <laughs> so I I feel like he's coming back. If he said we oui, we, oui, that means he's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jasser Kamari signed late into the year. Um, I think he flirted with MLS teams, and obviously, I think uh, I think Garcia 
Manley and Kamari all should get looks at by uh, by team, but mm-hmm. I think Jasper Kamari is probably the closest one uh, due to age uh, for that and experience. 24 matches, 23 uh, matches played, 23 starts. Had a little bit of an injury bug, though. You could kind of say where, where, he, where he's picked up some nicks, and, and he plays physical. He's a big guy um, along those lines. It's not a matter of, of if we want him back, because we do. Um, it's a matter, do you think he comes back? I, I think he does. I, I think what hurt him, maybe, maybe if he stayed injury-free, I think MLS takes a look at him. One of the MLS teams takes a look at him. Look at him. You know, you know, Tinker's gonna want to sway because he contact. has the size and he's got a, he's, he's good. I mean, at headers and stuff, very physical. Um, but the, like you mentioned, I noticed that he was getting a lot, having a lot of problems with that hamstring, and maybe that might be a big turnoff for MLS to bring him, like especially when he's with the, with the white caps, to bring him back. So I think he'll come back here. If he can stay injury free, like I say, if he comes back, stays injury free, I was I would not be surprised he gets get called back up to the MLS. Your thoughts, Matt? I no, I, I say he is. I feel like Tinker's gonna convince him to come back. I, I they're buddies, man. I feel like they're gonna he's gonna convince them. What about Shannon Gomez? To me, he was 31 matches, played 19 starts. I think he was a key during the playoffs, though. Um, 25, so he's kind of on that fringe for MLS. Um, National team player. Your thoughts? Two goals, five assists for him? Yeah, you bring him back. I mean, he was a a key factor for a lot of – especially on our our counterattacks. And – and especially also, he, he was a great defend, you know, great coming back to defend too. He'd run back, slide tackles, take some balls away. You know, he made some key defensive plays from that wing spot. And so I think he, I think he's an important piece to that puzzle from there on up. Him and Maloney complement each other on the wings because we give a lot of teams a lot of <laughs> problems out there. You guys have failed this assignment though, even uh-huh. before we get to Jordan Farr. Pretty much everybody outside of Dioff, Collier, and Beckford, you guys said, hey, he's coming back. Realistically, <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> Let's be honest. Realistically, this is what, three-quarters of the team? Mm-hmm. You think th- – I, I don't know if three-quarters of the team comes back. Uh, well, here's the, here's, the, here's the thing is, like, if you look at Louisville, they're bringing a lot of their core players They are back. bringing a lot of people back. But that so has, if I'm, that has if I'm, been San Antonio's history, though. And yeah, that could but change. if I'm, but that you know, well, that changed this past year when they started doing those multi-year deals. Mm-hmm. But because remember, we, we would pull our hairs out because we'd be changing rosters every damn year. And yeah. I think, I think they real, I think uh, front office kind of realized that hey, you know what, we need to do what what Louisville's doing, and also with um, what Tampa's doing, and is is to keep a core group, and that's why Louisville's been consistent. Is keeping a core group of players, maybe three quarters of their players, and then adding little pieces here and there, and that's why they've been in the finals the last few years. So I, I think, and I think what SAFC needs to do is take a page from that, and that they did take a little page of it a lot this past year with the signings. I think they need to do the same thing because if they're, if you keep this team, we're gonna we're gonna contend again. You know, we're you know we'll be the t- probably the top team again. 
and we probably could get a, a second championship. So if they're real serious about it, I think they need to look at what they, what Louisville's done, and, and we need to kind of do, kind of do the same thing, and then build around whatever other pieces we can add. So I will tell you, I I don't, and I know you guys did the list here. I don't think Nikki comes back. I don't think Josser comes back. I don't think Saul Abdul Salam comes back. And I don't think Patino comes back. So I think those are the four mm-hmm. out, out to thin down your list to get it more to what, you know, Royce has kind of heard. I, you know, I think uh, Saeed Abdul Salam, I think was close to retirement. And I think the only reason why, you know, he came in is because they needed him for the late, late push here. But I get the feeling he was ready to kind of transition to it, you know, you know, to um, maybe he'll be kind of a, a, a Ryan Chandel uh, R- role. Or maybe maybe kind of that coach, maybe with the academy, if, if that's what he's looking to do um, along those lines. The last one here, Jordan Farr. Um, everybody wants him back. San Antonio, I believe, would want him back. But I also believe he's earned the, earned the opportunity out of all of the players. I think he's earned the opportunity, whether it's MLS or elsewhere, you know, for a chance at, at first team uh, or first division, fo- you know, soccer here. Do you see Jordan coming back? We'll, we'll start with you, Matt, because you're pretty friendly with him. You and Robert in the bunker. Maybe he whispered sweet things in your ears during the celebration. I protect that guy's ribs from hitting the dang drum, man. <laughs> but uh, I, I wish, I hope, I'm praying, yes, he comes back. But like you said, he he's proven himself top tier. Top to me, tier. he gets the Pirano uh, marking here. So, I I I would definitely say that. Yeah. I I hope, like I said, be a great Christmas miracle. Best start to the new year. But that's if he doesn't want to maybe stay home, be with his his, his new baby new girl. daughter. Uh, or if he wants to try up there in MLS, uh, MLS, or maybe go out towards uh, out of North America, I, I just, I would say it's a, it's a, it's just like Pirano. It's, it's exactly like Pirano. You, it's a yes, and and I just feel like I'll still switch somewhere else. Josh Cohen played uh, in Champions League. Go overseas. Now he's got a young family. I don't know if that probably plays a huge part in it as well. Rafa, True. goalkeeper, coach. I, I think, I think, I think there's an MLS team that has him on the radar, as maybe as a backup. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, maybe he'll, like I said, does get the opportunity to transition to becoming a starter. Um, so I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards maybe. I think, I think there is an MLS team that's probably going to sign him as a, as a backup keeper. Um, Please don't go to Austin. <laughs> Please don't go to Austin. Don't go to Houston. Stay out of Texas. That's all I got. I mean, say. I don't mind him going to Houston or Dallas. That's fine with me. Just don't go to Austin. Uh, uh, who, who knows? Maybe one of the the expansion teams. Maybe want to lose because it, want him. You know, because he, he's he's a good quality keeper. He, he may not be a starter MLS. He's not yet. But if you need to plug someone in, if your number one's hurt. And that's what he did this this like I said, look what he did last year, and look what he did this year. He, I, th- I think he's he's probably going to end up at an MLS team um, yeah, as a as, as a number two. But if that doesn't happen, hey, we'll gladly have him back. Or hey, they, they, he signs with the MLS team, but 
maybe they'll loan him back back to us. Who knows? But I, he I seems think very he seems very happy in San Antonio, both him yeah. and his family. So now we already know it's gonna he's gonna command top dollar uh, mm-hmm. to 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 stick around uh, for that here. Um, Academy kids, I'm not gonna really go over because you know you know would love to have them back, but obviously their future um, it changes is in college at this point here. I think for the most part, Roman Holt, I guess probably be the one that you'd think that might not go to college. Just, but you know, I mean, he's, has, he's the one that's got the most did. experience where he played League Two. Um, so he's already kind of traveled traveled around. I know. I think he Henry, gets. I get. I think he gets loaned out to see what he does because I think eventually. Well, they already loaned him out once this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think he get loaned out again, just to see what he does because I know, I know he did play it well. I know he did come into that Austin game and he, and he kept his form and he did great there. I mean, you know, normally a, a young player of that would buckle, you know, you know, and make mistakes, but he, you know, he pulled through there, but I think, I think he needs playing time. So I think more than likely you probably don't, don't be surprised if he goes to like a league one team. So that way he can get some more, more, you know, get the playing time that he needs there and then develop. And then maybe, Maybe he is the future for SAFC or maybe somewhere else. So I think that I think out of all the academy players, I think he's the only one that probably end up ends up signing. Another comment from Austin Knight, as long as it's not broccoli. <laughs> so I will say this. And if I'm Austin FC, I try to sign him. Because Let's be honest, and I know we're a San Antonio FC show, and and but to be fair, Austin and San Antonio both claim each other's area as their market, um, and that's part of the reason why San Antonio most likely will never get an MLS team. Is it, it could be an inroad to try to help nurture fans to like Austin FC um, for that here, so. I could see Austin FC trying to make a move for him. I personally hope it doesn't happen um, personally for me, but we can see. Um, moving on, World Cup. Rafa, um, you've got some explaining to do about Mexico. Um, U.S. is uh, sitting comfortably at this point. Um, after today's victory here, but uh, let's go through the groups. Group A, Netherlands uh, won the group seven seven points. We'll place the United hold on, States. Hold on, hold on. We're doing work. I got to change my shirt. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Senegal uh, got second uh, with six points. Ecuador four points, which kind of surprisingly four points uh, normally get you in, in in the rotation to move on. And last, and nobody's uh, and everybody's extremely happy. Uh, Qatar 0 and 3, negative six, uh, allegedly the worst uh, World Cup host, um, on record. And, and I don't think anybody's uh, complaining about that. Probably the last time you ever see them, so probably so. Any surprises, uh, Rafa and Matt? Well, I, I think we know Holland was gonna win that group in their. Look at the quality players that they have. I was a little surprised that Senegal. I mean, it was going to compete between Senegal and Ecuador. 
Mm-hmm. Um, no, that, that was, was a great surprise. That was that was a great game today. You it know, was. it was back and forth, and uh, kudos to Ecuador because, like I said, they they had a lot of flack. I mean, to got to come out of Como Ball and the South American, um, you know, qualifications. Keep an eye on that team in 2026 because they're one. I think they're the third youngest team in the World Cup. They have quality players. They're you know they've done really well in playing against the other South American teams. Keep an eye on them. They may be a spoiler in 2026. Group B, um, a tougher group than I think most people thought. Um, England, uh, convincing, although I don't think they're as convincing as the record says. Uh, seven points plus seven goal difference. United States, uh, you know, one, one, two, and oh, so five points. Um, Iran, uh, three points, so one win, two losses, and the Wales. I'm not disappointed in the Wales. I didn't think they were as good as everybody touted them to be, but going in, the Wales were considered, you know, you know, to be right there with the U.S. But I think we saw the Wales just a- as a team didn't have the same depth, didn't have the same quality um, than U.S. and Iran, and really, you know, take away Zimmerman's, you know, silly foul in the box again. Um, they, they could have been 0-3 and, and, and scoreless in the World Cup because um, their only goal was was that PK um, uh, by Garth Bell. So um, your thoughts on Group B? I, I know both of you are huge uh, American fans here uh, for that here or will be. You're the, the anti-Landon Donovans where, you know, you'll be coming U.S. fans here, uh, you know, after tomorrow morning. Uh, for yeah, here, I, I, so. España, España. And Portuguese too. So, um, I, I think, I think, like I said, I, you know, England was going to be the favorite. And I, I think the U.S. I think, like you mentioned, they had a little more depth than Wales. I, I think Wales, they're an aging team. They just couldn't really muster anything. And I didn't think, I think of. The, I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Like I said, it, it was going to come. I thought down they to were the weakest team heading in, and it proved out mm-hmm. that they're the weakest team. Mm-hmm. Iran, Iran was kind of like a wild card because you, you just don't know, see them. You don't know what they bring. But like I said, I think the U.S. had a little – like I said, they have the advantage as far as those other teams because of death. And and I, I'm kind of – and I knew that, you know, they would probably get that second place. You know, the key game was beating – as long as they beat Wells or they got a positive result, you know, against also Iran, they were going to pull through because I, I just did not see – you know, the other two going in. And like I said, now, now Wales can enjoy going golfing now with Bale, you know, for here in December. I will say this, and I'm not a huge fan of Burhalter. I, I think he's, I think he's holding this team back. I see, I don't, I don't think people are respecting the United States defense and the tactics that they play. Cause that midfield and then the, 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 um, you know, the, the deep not not the forwards the midfield and the defense is strong now you could argue you know Zimmerman or um kind of iffy but yeah but Tyler Adams McKinney um uh, but Tyler Adams has been consistent though for the games yes. but my, so my me, concern, he's one of the players of the tournament yeah, yeah. He, well my concern I think 
I think that England game, you know, hearing the comments and so forth, they they should have they outplayed England. Yes, you outplayed England, but you didn't take that next step to get get that knockout punch and win the game. And that's but what Bro Halter and that's what Bro Halter has not been able to do against well, teams like that. There's there's in all three matches. Mm-hmm. First half, the U.S. dominated the Wales, didn't convert. First half today against Iran, they dominated dominated the first half. It's the second half that that's catching the United States. Part of it, I think, is youth, just because they are what the second or third youngest team, yeah, um, through here. But uh, um, Musa, Adams, and McKinney. To me, the those are solid, and then you got Dest Turner. I think's done a great job in goalkeeper. Um, I know that was kind of a question mark, which is kind of odd because the U.S. has always had quality goalkeepers, and I think Turner's showing. Um, I don't know if he's quite up to that level yet, but you could see kind of the potential. Mm-hmm. Of Robinson here. The issue with the United States, and this is going to be the issue on how far they can go, is up top. It is the attacking side, Pulisic. Um, was in the hospital. He sent out that you know with, with an abdominal injury. You gotta you gotta wonder if he'll make it on Saturday. He sent said that he will. Um, Sergeant, I thought he played well today, but I don't know if you saw how he went out. He got hurt too. You, know, you you gotta want. He was walking off the pitch, which was good, but there was some hyperextension in that area, and and Timmy Way, uh, you know, has been solid. Nasty. So, do, do, do you think that Berhalter messed up not bringing uh, Pepe in because they're not, they don't have well, it's not even nine. Pepe. What about Ferreira? Yeah, that too. Ferreira's there, right? But he hasn't played I mean, a minute. Why, what about Gio Reyna? Yeah, that's another one too. Like, he's what to me, I said he was him. our possibly best player going in from Dortmund. He's got he didn't play against uh Wales, he didn't play against Iran, he did play a little bit against England. But if you notice one thing, those are all your switch your your switchers. They could have played with Mexico, but look where they are, they chose. And, and but the way that I really not, is, not really not really not to do with that. But you know, if you're I, gonna I, have a stack have a stack team, you know, if 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 you know Gio Reno's hurt, and then why have him on the team? You know, but allegedly he's not hurt, or and, and I know there's a whole. Ronaldo mm-hmm. and you know story coming out, and this is where you know we're going to have to get Royce on to kind of discuss this here. Hopefully next week at some point to kind of discuss because you know he follows the U.S. men national team you know better than I do. Right. To me, reason why he hasn't played, and this is you know I love Dan Vaughn from Protagonist Soccer and and you know, through there. And he seems to be on the cheerleader. You know, he seems to be the president of the you know Greg Berhard fan club. I just don't see it. It's kind of like Southgate with England. I think mm-hmm. both England and the United States, talent-wise, are not playing to what their talent is. And in, in my opinion, both are being held back by coaches. And, and it's the tactical aspect of it. At this level, playing in the World Club uh, Cup, especially when you get to the knockout range uh, rounds, ma- managers matter. Being able mm-hmm. to make the tactics, being able to read the game, be able to know when to put substitutions in, and know which which, which to pull. And 
I think Greg Berhalter at the start of the match has done everything right. You, how U.S. has started, you cannot, you can't really find any fault with. But it's the in-game adjustments, it's the substitutions. As a U.S. fan, um, it has me frustrated because you can see the potential of this team, and this team, and you know, I know you know Fox kind of debated this, you know, that. This team's built for 2026. If you really look at it, this team is building for 2026. And, and you know, because that's when most of these players will be in their prime. Now that's, what, four years four years away, three and a half years away from now. And we know injuries and, and you know, form and, and, you know, will probably change a little bit. But the talent on the United States – has that potential to be kind of where, you know, like how England is looked at right now where they were heavy favorites, you know, going in on, on the group. Hopefully the United States could be that next, you know, in well, 2026. If, well, if you look at the next game, them playing Holland. Right. You know, Berhalter is going against Louis van Gaal. <laughs> Louis van Gaal is one of the best coaches, one of the premier coaches in Europe. Oh, look come on. Greg, Greg is going to do great. Look, look at his track record and and I, I think if you look at the Dutch team, they're kind of similar with the, the U.S. with the youth. With the youth, you know, they're doing a youth move because they didn't make the last World Cup. Mm-hmm. So that thing that's going to come down to the coaching and and you know, do you stick with Bill Halter after this World Cup? You know, you know, I heard rumblings of possibly Chirondolo maybe taking over. You know, and that's the thing. Same thing with with England with Southgate. Southgate, they Southgate need to get rid of to him. Go. Yeah, they need to get. They need someone at more par. <laughs> to those players level to take them up. I love it as a U.S. fan, but watching New England melt down over the draw against the United States and even, even England fans saw that, you know, that the United States was the better team on that day. And like I said, for the United States, three matches played, two goals scored. Hell, they only had two shots on goal prior to day, but they've only allowed one goal and that goal was a PK. They could be very easily three matches in, no goals allowed, which I think that'll be very interesting going against Holland, who, you know, also very tough defensively, five goals scored, one goal allowed. So it'll be a, it'll be a tough matchup uh, for that here where I think, you know, the, the England-Senegal match, you're probably going to see a lot more fireworks and a lot more goals going into it. The United States, I think, could be one of those, you know, 1-0, you know, wins and this goes to extra time, right? In the knockout mm-hmm. stage. So it yeah. could be one where it goes, you know, uh, very late, Neil Neil for that year. We'll move to uh, your guys' favorite group, uh, Group C, uh, Poland. Uh, first place, one, and one, one win, one draw, uh, four points. Argentina, one win, one loss, uh, three points. Saudi Arabia, one, uh, one win, one, one loss, three points. And where's Mexico? Oh, one draw, one loss. Oh, oh and two hasn't scored. Uh, having the same problems as the United States on scoring uh, for that here. Although theoretically, their next match is against the weakest. You know, their you know the 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 weakest opponent to me compared to Poland and Argentina in Saudi Arabia, who's kind of surprised uh, individuals because they did beat uh, Argentina two one in the opening match. Um, but then they did come back to earth and be and lost to Poland 2-0 um, for that here. So 
like the U.S. Uh, they'll be play, uh, facing kind of a, an away crowd, um, despite Mexico and the United States both having good fan attendance there. Saudi Arabia being, you know, being in, in a neighbor of, of Qatar, uh, will obviously be well supported there. So, as fans of Mexico, Rafa, I'll kind of let you and Matt kind of talk this group through and, and uh, discuss how you see this ending up because uh, this plays tomorrow morning, right? Yeah. And the, the one thing is, like I said, I know a lot of the Mexico national team fans, you know, they don't have high expectations with these teams because they have, there's like zero confidence on, 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 um, uh, on Tata right now. And he's already said that he was going to leave the team after the World Cup. And there were some discussions on uh, if you have a chance to watch them on on, 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 on two DN. They've had some old some coach, prior coaches like do a little uh, roundtable, and they discuss why why this team is struggling, why you know this thing is. And there's a lot of factors to it. And honestly, to me, kind of looking back on everything, you know, Mexico does have some talent, but there's some things that that's caught up to them. I think honestly that the Martino should have been fired 18 months ago mm-hmm. and they should You've have brought in that. somebody You've been else. on that for a while. Yeah. And, and the thing, another issue that's coming up is that if they just on that little round table, they discuss, I think even the domestic league needs to be fixed because there is no uh, promotion or, or, or mm-hmm. you know, relegation promoted and really in relegation. That's another thing that I think it's a factor. Another factor they mentioned about having too many foreign players in the league. Um, and then also a, a consistent system as far as like from the national team to the U-20s, U-17s, and your and your Olympic teams. I think those are the four factors that's kind of plagued this team. Because if you look at the – honestly, if you look at the last, last two Olympics, Mexico's com- – been in the top three teams and they also they won the gold medal in london and and they question like well where are those players at and and a lot has to do you know you know not fitting not developing those players to the next step and i think another th- point them in they're not sending now here's where the u.s is excelling right now u.s is, is exporting more players to europe mexico hasn't really been exporting too many players out there and that needs to change um because there's very little, I mean, there's maybe maybe not that many out there playing in Europe. Maybe like like, said, like four, maybe four or five. Like like Chucky Lozano's at Napoli, Machin, he's at Ajax, uh, Guardado's, yeah. he's at a uh, Betis, but he's already on the uh, on the bad side of thirty. Um, so Hector was out there, but Hector, came yeah, he came back and he wasn't a factor there. <laughs> Why is he playing ninety minutes? Can I ask that? That's, see, that's why thing. is he playing ninety minutes? And that's and that's what they question about that when they in that Argentina game, they played a great first half. They Argentina couldn't muster any shots. They blocked. They didn't give any space for crosses and so forth. I think what kind of fell apart is when they made the that change with Bolado got hurt, and then they put Eric Gutierrez who has doesn't have a lot of experience because he's had a, he had a markup on Messi. The one that should have done was would have been Edson Alvarez, who we call him Machin, who plays for Ajax, and he's excelled there. He would have been the be- better substitute. And then when you take out Chucky Lozano and Bella, uh, you know, you basically lost your offense. And so they question a lot of his tactics. And, you know, for me at that game is you sh- they should have done, you know, at a 0-0 half, 
you know, go out, go out and win the game. Go up, put your put your number, a couple number nines up front. You know, they're I know they're playing a, a five three two. They should have switched over to a four thirty three, and go for the win. Because you need you need you could have if you win the game, guess what? You knock out Argentina, and he just was not. Like I said Martin Tata Martino was just not very proactive and aggressive to do that, and that's why he's getting a lot of the criticism. Now are they still alive? Yes, they're still alive because mathematically they they can. I don't I know I did see a preliminary lineup. Uh, they are going to switch over four three three. They're going to start Henry Martin, who's actually been had a great season with the Club America this year with a. They had like double digit goals, and and one of the questions is that they need to start playing some of their long, uh, younger players. Uh, one player that I, I was surprised they left out was uh, Diego Linus, mm-hmm. and they should have put him into the roster. He did great in the Olympics. He, he would have done well here because he would have. He's a creator outside with the ball, distributes and so forth. So they're gonna have to take a real deep look in the mirror. Because, like I said, you're going to host, be a co-host three and a half years from now. You better do a good, you better do a good showing because just getting, you know, you need to get out of that group next, in the next World Cup and actually win a game. And so, and Matt, yeah, I'll let you talk here in a minute. But I think as far as for 2026, because 2026 is such an important uh, World Cup because it's it's here in North America with Canada. Uh, United States and Mexico all hosting here. And like I said, to me, it seems like the United States has, has passed Mexico. And I'm not even sure it's a question anymore uh, along those lines here. I know the performance has been close. They're competitive matches, but I think if you look at the talent level, to me, at, at least at this point, you know, you know, as of the end of 2022, the talent you would have to say is better in the United States than it is in Mexico at this point. So, and I know that was what Rafa was kind of hitting at, but your thoughts on this World Cup and, and kind of along those lines of, you know, it, it, obviously Mexico's got what they got for you know for this World Cup, but what do they do? How do how do they help turn this around to where you know? Where the gap kind of you know closes back down, it's it's just like Rafa said. Go back to your your Olympic teams. Go back to all, to the players that 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 made the, the changes. I don't. To me, it's it's like I was telling Rafa late. I'm I didn't expect anything. I wasn't expecting anything out of this team this year. I I was just happy they made it. And honest honest to God, I was just happy to like see the United States fan. Not a United States fan, but I mean, that's respectfully, how we <laughs> respectfully, I'm I'm proud of them too for for being uh, keeping their their gas uh, their foot on the pedal ever since Cold Cup and ever since the uh, all all these wins that they've been getting this past year. But like I said, I I feel like they need to relook at at all these these players that played in the Olympics. Your U seven, uh, your U twenty. Your U19, there's there's players there. Give them a shot. Yes, you have your 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 star quote unquote star players. Hey, who's that? Maybe one of these other players is gonna be your 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 new chicharito or your new well, that, that that's the thing right there. We don't have Mexico does not have the face of the team. Like Christian Pulisic is the face of the U.S. national team. 
Mexico does not have that. The last person was probably Chicharito. You don't have one like Guatemo Blanco and, and Hugo Sanchez and so on. So it's just, am I, am I going to be mad that they do if, if they do tomorrow? No, I'm, I wouldn't be mad because in, in a way, and I, I would think Rafa would see the same thing. I feel like they shot themselves in the foot for not getting rid of Tata. That's, that's just me. Is there any reason why they didn't do it? Because it seemed like historically Mexico changes managers. That quickly. that was brought that was brought up, Harry, actually by that group by Volpe and Javier Aguirre, the for, they were former managers of the national team. They're they're there's like why can't we have a coach that remains the same? Kind of like Germany's coach. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the one that loves picking his nose. Uh, Ludi. Ludi uh, Low. Low. Yeah. If you look at Ludi Low, he was there for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're, they've brought up is that maybe we do need to bring a coach that needs to have some longevity to build the program, to build, to develop players, uh, have them go out to all the games and so forth. Because that's one thing Tata was not doing. He was going to, the, he was not going to the Mexican National um, uh, Liga MX games a lot to scout players. And that's something what the other, the former coaches brought up. And they do need a, when they do, who they find, for me personally, who I think they should take a chance on and get is Santiago Solari. He would, you know, he was a former coach of Club America, former at Real Madrid. When he took over, took over Club America, he really turned around that program, made him play like that European style. What hurt them, him at the end, was a lot of injuries. But he's the one, but he knows how to develop players. And I think if they're going to make that next step for the ready for 2026, I think he's a key coach to get. There's other ones. Jimmy Lozano's another one. He did well in the Olympics. And here's the thing with with Mexico: like they've already won two World Cups with the U teams, and that should have materialized more, you know, success, success in the World Cup level. That, yeah, and that hasn't, and we haven't seen that. So, like Matt, Matt, like I talked to Matt about it, is like they're really gonna have to key on how to develop players. You know, within the, a certain system, not necessarily a system, but the way to do things. And I think they also need to reach out. Maybe I know like some of the Liga MX teams have reached out. I know with me being part of Club America when I coached with them for the academy, they were working a lot with Ajax as far as how to do, you know to develop players, and because they brought their coaches there in Mexico City, how to develop you know you know the systems of play and so forth. So that's what they need to do. But they also they need to start exporting more players to Europe, and that's what the U.S. national team has an advantage. You look at Weston McKinney playing for Juventus. Uh, uh, Serginho Des, I'm sure Barcelona is now kicking themselves in the butt, letting them go to to AC Milan. Uh, Pulisic, who maybe end up being at Man U, you know, Sargent's and doing well in, in, in Germany. So that's what they, they need to start doing is develop players to send them out. That way they can play in Europa League and Champions League because that's where you're going to get battle tested going into these type of competitions. Let me ask this question and. I don't want to be anti-MLS um, for this here. But do you think the relationship between the Mexican Federation and some and MLS has negatively impacted not only um, the, the, um, the, Mexica, the Mexican national team, but also uh, Liga MX overall? And I know why they're doing it, because they see the dollars here in the United mm-hmm. States. 
and the reverse for the uh, for you know for MLS is the viewership numbers, you know from from Mexico. So I understand why they're doing it, but to me, let's let you know the elephant in the room is around the time that Mexico uh, Federation started. I don't want to say partnering with with the United States Federation, but working more closely. For me personally, from an outsider. You've seen Mexico kind of slide down a little bit. Is that a fair assessment? I know you guys follow Mexico a lot closer than, than I do. I, I, I think what what comes down to is, and the mate, like I said, I get it. Made a good point. Is the the amount of foreign players in Liga Mackies? I think that's kind of hurt and taking spots away from a lot of domestic players. And I, I know I hear the complaints about that. And MLS is kind of worried about that because it eventually it's going to, like I said, look at Messi. Messi might be coming to enter Miami. You know, uh, I, I want to go see Messi play. I won't, I won't lie. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you, or, or like I said, or Ronaldo come maybe to LA Galaxy. Or look at Bale. He's at LAFC. And you even notice, like, like Carlos Vela's playing for LAFC. You know, you know, he, that's the thing. There, there's key players that should be on this team, but because of personal issues, they're not. If Carlos Vela and Chicharito's on this team, there's they're not in a position. They've scored a goal. Right now they haven't yeah. scored a goal. Yeah. They score goals with those guys. And I think with little these personal it's kind of like in 20, 20, uh, 2006 when La Volta didn't take Guatemala Blanco, that was a huge mistake. Because you saw what he what he did in the twenty ten. He took care of business against France and Got the help get the winning goal, so those things need to be fixed. With these little personal grudges, I think also Liga MX, as far as you know, they need to start not worry about too much about money. You know, I know it's a good thing working with MLS because it's a good relationship because you're trying to build the game. But if you're going to build a game, you better build your domestic players and you got to give them more opportunities and kind of follow what MLS is doing. Is and that's one thing I, I, I don't you know, I'm not going to criticize you. Uh, Give props to Ellis. There are developing players, more domestic players. And, you know, I've seen, you know, academy teams. Like I said, I was part of Club America Academy here in San Antonio. They were looking for players here, and the, and we took them down there. And I think maybe that's what they need to start doing is coming over here, establishing some of their academies and start, you know, maybe that uh, Ricardo Pepe doesn't play with the, uh, the U.S. national team. Maybe he's just acknowledges he could have been our starting number nine for Mexico. I think that's what they need to start doing now. And, and, and bringing a lot of, especially here on the border, a lot of those border players would come flock and play over here to play because there, there's no pay for play down there in Mexico that it is here. And I think that's what they need to really kind of look into. And I think that would help them build a, a group of players for the future. Matt, I'll give you the last word and then we'll uh, move on to group D. I, I just felt, I just felt like Mexico needs to look more deep into their, their, their past winning teams. Look at all these players. Like like I said, you're you if you're U twenty, your U nineteen, your Olympic team, all make great runs. Where were they at? They're at home, watching these other players play, where they should be there. And and like Rafa said, and I'm gonna agree with it. Screw your grudges. Put what's best for the nation. You want them out there. You want you if you really want. Uh, to win this World Cup, you would bring whoever you need. You bring all your artillery. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the grudge anymore. 
it's your artillery that you need. So hope, like I said, hopefully this this World Cup was a, uh, a lesson to the Federation, but we just gotta wait and see who, well what new coach they get and how it goes out. So moving on to Group D, uh, France uh, already qualified here. Uh, they play Tunisia. Uh, to me, the big match tomorrow morning, Australia versus Denmark. Uh, winner moves on. Australia just needs a draw. Um, I still think Denmark's probably the favorite uh, to come through uh, to get the victory, but um, Australia got the W against Tunisia. Any thoughts on uh, Group D? Uh, that's France. France. What can you say about France? They're, they're clicking on all cylinders. Even, you know, they were worried about losing Benzema. Prior to the World Cup, but look at Giroud. Giroud, he stepped into the role. He's one of the older players, and he's he's doing great. Mbappe, um, he's doing his thing. I think he's trying to showcase, hopefully, to go back, go to Real Madrid next year. Barcelona, Barcelona. <laughs> he ain't going to Barcelona. Don't have no, no we money. don't have no money. That's right. <laughs> we don't have no money. <laughs> uh, group E. Uh, this has been a crazy group. Uh, Spain. One and one, one win, one draw, four points. They get Japan next. Japan beat Germany 2-1, but lost to Costa Rica. Um, and I think that's going to cost them for advancing. Costa Rica got rolled by Spain by a touchdown, um, but came back to beat Japan. Germany lost to Japan 2-1. Drew 1-1 with a late goal against uh, with, against Spain. Gets Costa Rica next. Can Germany? To me, I think Germany's favorite to get out of the group now because I, I think Spain beats Japan. Mm-hmm. Do you see any way that um, Germany doesn't? Do, do you see Germany get making the knockout round even I after think so. losing that first first match thanks to Japan losing to Costa Rica? I, I think so because. Costa Rica still in it, so they can't play that park the bus because they know they need a win in order to advance. So it's going to be a, it's a wide open game. So that that plays into Germany. But even if Germany's, they played park the bus, I think Germany's talent is is no no Costa Rica's not going to play park the bus because well can't no, but even if they did, I think Germany mm-hmm. has the talent to break them down. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then Spain. Be careful with Japan because Japan's a very organized team. You know, they, they can't – and like I said, Spain is a very young but very talented team. I know recent week, and that's a, I think that's the, that's the team that's going to probably going to contend for the 2026 World Cup is that team right there. They're probably – like I said, they're about three years away from really becoming a dynamite team. So keep an eye on them on the Euros when they play. But Spain, like I said, they're just going to be cautious. they got to play a smart game. They can't have a letdown what they did with the Germany game, you know, fall asleep because look what Japan did to Germany. So, I think, I think, but I think Spain will, will pull out a, a victory on this one. Any thoughts, Matt? Uh, I, I feel like it's more of a, a Germany's just looking to see how uh, other options are in the way because if you don't beat Costa Rica, oh gosh, if they don't beat Costa Rica. Uh, I would, I would be very disappointed. I'd be very disappointed. So, or if Japan beats 
Spain, which could happen, which could happen. There's no way Germany's making up eight goals. Yeah. Group F, uh, Rafa sleeper, uh, according to the pre-show, Croatia, uh, one and one, four points. Morocco, one and one, uh, four points. Belgium, uh, you know, three points. And oh, Canada. <sighs> what happened? You won Concacaf, uh, but uh, <laughs> they just hit the wall. What happened? Uh, Freaking Drake. That's what happened. Yeah, Drake don't let Drake wear your jerseys. So, out of this group, who do you got going? Morocco, to me, seems like the favorite to to get out. Right. Mm-hmm. And because Croatia Belgium should be an entertaining match, Belgium's one of the I think they're one of the older teams uh, with the, with their quote unquote golden generation that unfortunately never was able to, uh, to get win. it across the line. And then you you know Rafa, you mentioned you really like Croatia coming out of this group. It, it, the thing with Croatia, they're starting to peak at the right time. I know they had they struggled that first game, but you can tell that that. I, I, that second game against Canada, I think Canada should have kept their mouth shut, <laughs> and they just turned it on. And I, I mean, got to give it a uh, Luka Modric mm-hmm. at 37 and still playing at a high level. I mean, he's playing like that with Real Madrid. You know, this season he's playing high level. Here he's still, he's like a timeless wonder. Like I said, don't forget they finished. Like I said, they were the World Cup runner up, and nobody That's talked right, about Croatia, them. Yeah, and so. Out, there's this, this this is the one team you may not want to face in the knockout stage because if they like I said they're starting to get hot I think I think they're gonna end up beating Belgium I think Belgium's I think there's just too many I think they're at the too end old of the road right? yeah like whatever the comments they've said they're too old to score um but I think Croatia has a good mix of younger players but also with experienced players with Modric um and I think they're also managed well too by their by their coach so They'll win the group. I think they'll it'll be a tight game with Belgium, but I think they won. Maybe they'll win like two one. Um, Morocco is kind of surprising. Surprising. Yeah, where they well, they got Hakimi, so he's he's really really helped lift that that, that team and knocking off Belgium is a good way to to roll into this game against Canada. Who knows how Canada's level confidence level? If I'm Canada, I, can, I mean. Yeah, if I'm Canada, I'll go guns and blazing. You know, you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta win one. You know, mm-hmm. especially with that talent they have, especially having Davies. Davies, is it too late to switch to the United States? Or did I say that out loud? Go um. <laughs> <Or> to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where he would go. Uh, Group G, Brazil um, hasn't been the most convincing wins. Uh, two over Serbia and one over Switzerland. Switzerland won, uh, you know, one, one win, one loss, three points. Cameroon and Serbia uh, both with one point here. Brazil's through. Um, Cameroon gets Brazil, which is not good. Switzerland and Serbia. I think that's you know. Do you think you think Serbia can get past uh, Switzerland, or you think uh, that's that's going to be a very tight game? I mean, do you get Serbia that had the three zero lead, or do you have the one that gives it up? You know. Um, Switzerland's very organized, and, and I think they played a good game. They had a good game plan against Brazil, but uh, Brazil. Brazil was able to find Brazil. break down. Yeah, 
I think having not not having Neymar was kind of also a factor, but I think Neymar should be ready for the knockout stage. But I think Brazil they may end up playing that on that. Well, I mean it's really minimal. I mean, uh, Cameroon. That's true. They don't really have anything to play for, but I don't think that's true with Cameroon. Um, I didn't think about that. You know, and Cameroon mate is going to have to. They still have a shot. And you got to figure, and this is something that I learned here. Two yellow cards, you miss a game. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's already got a yellow card and it doesn't reset in the you know in the knockout rounds, search. it resets in the quarterfinals. So you, if there's any yellow cards on Brazil, you got to think that out of caution, they're probably resting those players. So that way, the first round, the knockout, they don't have to worry about any of those players missing now. Question is, would the ref actually call it a second yellow on somebody? That that seems to be kind of a, a question so far going through here. Uh, last group, Group H, uh, Portugal. I didn't think they'd get get out of the group, but it looks like they well they will get out of the group uh, for it here. Ghana, um, U.S. Nemesis, South Korea, and Uruguay. Uh, to me, I'm kind of surprised about Uruguay. I expected a little bit better. Um, they drew uh, South Korea to start. Um, they lost 2-0 to Portugal. Uh, they do get Ghana next, which is tough. Ghana was able to get a 3-2. And to me, I thought it was so far probably the match of the tournament against South Korea. And the five, I don't know if you guys know this, but the, the back line and the goalkeeper for South Korea are all Kim. So I think uh, all five of them are Kim's. All five of them are Kim. I think, so. I think, I think there was a meme that said uh, – with the Uruguay like asking um Suarez which 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 came I, I need a bite or something on the shoulder. <laughs> There's well, five it, of them. Well, is it that, that Uruguay Ghana the the rematch? Is what they say? Or I, I think or, so from a World Cup previous World Cup. From from uh the handball. Oh yeah, from a few years ago. That's yes. yeah, Suarez had the handball. Yes. Yeah, maybe so. yeah. So, so Portugal's I, I through. Gonna watch. Ghana, Uruguay. You yes. think the winner goes through, or you think yeah. Ghana sneaks through with the tie? Well, Portugal's gonna probably rest their players. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see. Maybe I think Ronaldo plays a half, and then they pull him out, and some of the other guys too. Bench. Well, Ronaldo's got to get a even? goal to make up for his goal that he thought he scored. Yeah, I don't know if the hair kind of. <laughs> But I, I think I think Ronaldo ball, plays maybe. And he knew yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, maybe I think he plays a half. I think what Portugal is going to do is they're going to rest some players, especially the ones with cards. They're probably going to sit out. So Korea's got a chance. I mean, they could sneak up. I mean, Korea's been a very competitive team. They're not slack, and they're not a bunch of slackers. So the knockout for the United States. Um, of course, this is kind of hasn't filled in. Uh, December third, which is Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturday at nine o'clock uh, Central Time against uh, Netherlands um, should be uh, should be an interesting game. I'm sure Fox will build it up like, hey, it's you know U.S. has a shot. Rafa doesn't seem like to think that they do. Um, I think it's coaching. Yeah, but talent wise, well, to me, yeah. it depends on health. Sergeant it, it, Pulisic, it, yeah. It's going to be a competitive game, but it's going to come down to coaching. I think Louis, Louis Van Gaal is just a better coach. 
England Senegal, I think, is a very tasty match. Um, which England team can, will show up? Um, because English fans, despite winning the group, um, are not happy with Southgate, and they haven't been happy with Southgate uh, for that here. But you know, he keeps getting the the game. Do you here. think Senegal's speed could be a problem for for England in that I game? I think so. I, I, that that could be your upset right there. That could be your your if you have an upset on the knockout stage. That could be the one right there. So on Saturday, the second match, C and D one C would be Poland or Argentina versus the winner of Austria, Australia, and Denmark uh, for that here for that afternoon, and then of course the reverse would be France versus Poland, Argentina, unless Mexico makes it here. So. Even if Mexico does get through, yeah, they get to face France. They're going to be France. <laughs> They're going to be France. <laughs> Which would be a Sunday 9 o'clock game as well. Yeah, so. yeah they won't be France. <sighs> unless so. unless some, some some miracle happens. But, but imagine Argentina and France. Well, we already talked about in down here in yeah. the uh, round of quarterfinals. It's going to be what, Spain and Brazil? Yeah. Uh, if everything holds, talk about a December 9th, 9 a.m. match, which is a Friday. Mm-hmm. And if the United States could get by a one o'clock match uh, versus you know, whoever finishes first in Group C, theoretically, if, if you, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but if the United States gets past the uh, Netherlands, they have an opportunity to play, you know, you know, in, in the final four against either Brazil or Spain, which probably won't happen now. Unless I'm Argentina not call, is I'm there. not calling that by any means, but I think going against um, the if I'm, if I'm the U.S., I pray that Argentina doesn't get that spot. Yes, because if they play Argentina, they're not going to beat Argentina. <laughs> But that's the uh, U.S. men's national team and me. Uh, you know, hey, this could happen. Yeah, but realistically, if they get if they get past Netherlands, that, that you know, it'd be what was the World Cup over in Japan? Um, I think twenty. They, play, they 20, well, they played Mexico, so they beat Mexico yeah. in the first round, and they almost they should have beat Germany. They got screwed by the referees. I think everybody can agree to that now. Um, they could have advanced uh, past that, but. That that'll be interesting to see the United States, and of course, you know the media here will be uh, moving it up, and uh, we'll have to see on Mexico uh, tomorrow what, afternoon. Actually, it's an afternoon kickoff yeah. uh, for Mexico to see if they uh, are able to advance and move on. So, one final topic: we're already over two hours, so do we want to save it? Uh, the uh, Juventus topic here, uh, Rafa, or you want to touch base on it real quick? Um. It's just just surprised that that's happening, but the entire board UFO. is res- resigned, right? Yeah, and and talking with uh, was it Hart? Uh, uh, seriously, Loco, and they also do uh, it Hart Hardcore. Uh, let me see here. What's the podcast that they do? Uh, hardcore football. Um, a podcast uh, by Phil and uh, Mika. Uh, they do a great job covering uh, the the Europe, you know, the the foreign games or foreign leagues. 
Um, I didn't know Mika was an attorney, um, but she said when, when the board resigns, um, that means that there's some stuff that's coming down that's not going to be very good for Juventus and um, just putting that, you know, she doesn't know what it is, obviously, but she's like, well, when this, the entire this board the first, resigns. Yeah. This isn't the first time that's happened before. Because remember the last time something that, uh, they got in trouble, they got sent down to Serie B. And they had to win Serie B to get back to Serie because there was a lot of financial discrepancies. Well, that's what's going to happen again, right? Uh, that, or do you think it could go even worse? Well, I mean, I'm sure who is hoping that well, they, you know, they'll get the same treatment that Barcelona got and not get moved down. <laughs> you know, I, I think UEFA, they're going to, they need a clean house there too. I think FIFA needs to grow a pair and, and make examples out of these teams because, you know, it's not, you know, they do it to the little teams and, and you know, you know, if but a they little didn't team do it to Man City. Mm-hmm. The FIFA has shown that, and this is why the the Super League discussion isn't yeah. going away, is because yeah. they don't impact these these quote unquote big teams. Yeah, because they're they're they'll be quote unquote above the rules. Well, they, so and far, they are. Down, yeah, and what it comes down is is to is to is to money, and I I think you know if I'm who enters, like I said, where was the owner? I mean, if, if UEFA is going to sanction them, say, so, well, you need to do the same thing to Barcelona. If you want to do it to us, you need to do it to them. You know, it's it's only fair. But, you know, that's where, like I said, UEFA needs a lot of cleaning up, especially right before the, the Euros that are coming up pretty soon. So so they, they need it. It's just embarrassing to, to, see, to see this. So luckily we don't have this at USL. <laughs> wow. Well, we don't sure that we don't some, know, <laughs> but it's not pl- well in USL. The teams just go away, uh, yeah. you know. So, latest USL news: um, Oklahoma City is not returning, um, despite rumors earlier. Vegas is possibly not returning as well, um, is the rumors, and uh, we're probably. 30 to 45 days from knowing our schedule um, for that here, barring any last minute additions or subtractions outside of uh, the rumors for that here. So for San Antonio FC, it's a blessing and curse with the season ending, you know, mid November is there's really no downtime for them because um, they got to start gearing up. Cause as we saw the season kicked off mid March, which means uh, camp probably opens up. Early February, mid February, um, which means you got sixty days, and that includes what two weeks, three weeks of holiday time in there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot of the deals are probably already done and, and just waiting to be announced and along those lines. But uh, for Coach Marcina, you know, like I said here, and, and to me, that's a question as well: How many more years is Coach Marcina under? Or is, is he? Are they going to be announcing an, a, a, an extension for him? Because this is year four for him, right? Uh, at least three year three, three. yeah year three he just finished so you figure most coaches contracts are what three four years three four years or maybe maybe even up to five depending so you know we'll, we'll it'll be interesting to see if we hear an announcement that coach, uh, coach marcina has been extended um because you don't in my opinion you don't want him to go into you know where he's a lame duck coach uh in my opinion but uh 
we're two hours plus. Uh, I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. Robert, you know, um, make better plans. You know, we were counting on you. It was unfair two-on-one Mexico versus United States. Where were you? Royce, Thanks hope you and the Chico. family feel better uh, for it here. But, uh, you know, just like Austin FC, two-to-one. You know, hey, you know, you know, SAFC always shows out. Um, hope everybody has a great – had a great Thanksgiving. Um, our schedule, we're going to try to become a little bit more consistent. I can't tell you when the next one will be. Um, just It'll probably depend on the news uh, or the – News from San Antonio with the holidays, work, and, and stuff like that here. Um, you know, so our schedule will probably be a little bit light coming up uh, for the month of December uh, for that here. Um, for San Antonio FC, high school action is going to probably start picking up where me and Rafa are going to uh, mainly uh, tune into uh, a separate show uh, geared for high school um, high school. Um, may kick off this week or, may, or probably next week here. It will probably be the high school show. Um, so we may go to every two weeks uh, for pro and, you know, for November, maybe every two weeks for the high schools um, until uh, January when the season kicks off. Although we got taps kicking off tonight, right? Yeah, yeah um, they're already so kicked off. I know, I know um, St. Mary's Hall was playing tonight. Tonight at 5 o'clock, right. Against uh, Austin Hyde, yeah. I was at that game last year in Austin. It was a wild game. <laughs> So, um, the we may be transitioning to the high school show primarily. There are going to be some changes into the format here, where we're going to have different brandings of show. Um, high school may still stay under the original, you know, SA Soccer Roundtable um, uh, title and branding, just for the fact because that's how Scott and I started it was, you know, mainly for the high schools to go through there. That's still kind of be determined. San Antonio FC will have a different branding uh, for it here. So it'll have a different intro. It'll be clear um, if you're pulling it up on the podcast got, uh, podcast channels. It'll still be reporting under San Antonio FC, but it'll have, or, or sometimes San Antonio Soccer Roundtable, but it'll have different branding and different intros and stuff like that to where there's clear identifiers. But hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Um, hope everybody has a great holiday season coming up. Um, you know, as we all know, you know, be, you know, be kind, love, love your family, uh, spend time with your family. Uh, cause you know, unfortunately Rafa and I both know that, uh, sometimes, uh, the, the alarm goes off a little sooner than we expect, uh, you know, uh, for that here. So Rafa, any final thoughts, Matt, any final thoughts, or are we able to go ahead and end the show at this time? Matt, you got any final thoughts? Uh, it's here, man. I'm thankful for for the victories and just can't wait till next year uh just see what what new becomings happen uh for the bunker and the scfc yeah my my final thought like i said uh don't forget uh tune in tomorrow for the 50 50 podcast because i'll be on there we're gonna be talking statewide soccer we're gonna go over just a little preview and then also any teams out there want uh, uh, want us to stream your game, hit us up on Twitter. We love to come. Like last year, me and Harry went out to Hondo. We had a fun time out there. Went to, to Laver- you know, Lavernia Somerset. Uh, me and Coach Connor did some great games. I'm sure me and Matt were probably going to do live stream some games together too. I can travel this year, so, so I can we can go do. We can, yeah, we can, yeah. So we'll have a different title for that for the live streams. But hey, if there's a game out there. Let us know. I know we did the Ian's Cup last year, so. Hit us up. We're looking for it and be ready for the power rankings pretty soon. 
Although, don't expect them immediately because Rafa needs to review. We're not the, the college football where, hey, we, we automatically uh, – hey, this team's oh. ranked number one without seeing what they look like. Uh, just well, we, oh, we don't go by the by the football team rankings by some <laughs> like some other groups and stuff and so forth. So. But what's life without goals? We're out of here. I hope everybody has a wonderful night.